I'm gonna ask you a couple of things here. One, you need to go to Ballistic Inc. and look for the new Hank Strange merch store on Ballistic Inc. We've got a couple of cool shirts up there, including the uh, Gun Nerd shirt, which I designed. That's there. Go check that out. Babyface actually helped me out on that one. <laughs> I, I, he's, he's a consultant. Do I want it? Do I want to take credit? <laughs> oh, you, for don't, that? you don't want any credit, really? No, no. Okay. Um, also, go to HankStrange.com. That's the way to keep up with us. Find out all the ways you can support us. Things that we're doing. You can join our email list. We're going to be giving away things um, on the email list going forward here. Lots of stuff. I think Lola is going to give away a T-shirt from Ballistic Inc. Um, tonight sometime to someone who's on that email list so go there check that out all right um, let's see it looks like we've got everyone ready here let me let me drop the open on the people press the button Boom. welcome back to the Hank Strange right. situation make sure Lifestyle you guys subscribe thumbs up ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live Jera I don't know you've never done this before we do this thing here called jazz hands that's like our icebreaker. There you go. Jazz hands, babyface P. Jazz hands. Let's see them. There you go. We are live. I hope you got your big girl panties on. Our special guest tonight, uh, Jarrah Hutchins of, uh, what, what is it? Uh, clearing, the clearing the Chamber. Clearing the Chamber. Lola's telling me Jarrah is here. We've also going to, we're going to have Kevin Dixie. He's not here yet, but we do have babyface P rocking his cool shot show hat. That's right. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get Kevin Dixie here in a minute. The show is sponsored tonight by Walther. Thanks to Walther Arms out there for sponsoring the show, helping us uh, keep the lights on, pay the, uh, the internet bill and other expenses. We appreciate them. As you guys are coming in, please smash the thumbs ups. Uh, thank you very much in advance. We appreciate that. Share this if you can. Of course, you know, we don't have uh, access to like our Facebook page and stuff like that. It's been deleted. So we don't have access to that. Trying to get it back, but apparently I really, really wronged. It might be that meme that I did of um, of Zuckerberg when they deleted my page. I did a, a Dr. A Evil meme. Yeah, because uh, when I talk to people over there, they keep saying my page is supposed to be back, but they, they send it into wherever it's supposed to go and uh, not getting picked up, getting ignored. So we can't hear you, Jera. I know. Do you, what do you say? You might be muted. I am muted. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was muted. That's all right. That's, that's a common theme. Everybody's trying to meet me. Welcome to the show. I was saying show. they got a lot of nerves to step on over there at Facebook. Yes, yeah. There are a lot of nerves, actually. And, and I've definitely uh, stepped on someone's nerves over there. So um, anyway, that's that. Uh, let's see. I don't know if we've got any chat anyone coming in the chat yet let's start with Jera. can you tell us who you are what you do for the folks out there i actually met her at shot show this year um kevin dixie had a big uh, soiree in his big fancy hotel room i think it was like hundred thousand dollars a night hotel room he had a big party there Jera was there <laughs> so it was uh, unveiling the uh, argo j's uh, oscar bravo yes right exactly right so and and then and then you you were in the audience when we did the panel with um marsh Teray. yes i was yes yeah. so. um i go to this that was my fourth uh shot show i've been in the industry for about eight years um but i kind of fly under the radar i didn't really want to be I didn't want to be in the limelight. I didn't want to be doing podcasts and, you know, anything like that. I just kind of wanted to shoot guns and teach people how to shoot guns. But then, um, 
you know, I would kind of start paying attention to this legislation and, uh, you know, going to these gun rights hearings and stuff and trying to be a little bit more involved where I could. And man, I really started to figure out that there are a lot of people that go to these things that have no idea how to testify or articulate uh, what the Second Amendment really means and why we should have it. And so I kind of had to start having the attitude of, you know, if not me, then who? Mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's uh, when I kind of started to be a little bit more involved. I started my training company, Clearing the Chamber, in November of 2018. And I focus on women and youth. I teach women and youth how to shoot. Uh, and it's a very, very nice uh, living to make because it's a very underserved community. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a lot of women teaching women, or at least there haven't been. I mean, it's becoming more prevalent now. But it wasn't. And then uh, I also have a a nonprofit called Wade, which is the women's awareness and defense endeavor. And so I raise money to teach low income women and single mothers uh, how to shoot and how to defend themselves and their kids. Uh, And then I build gun ranges for a living. So this is my fourth one to help out with uh, that I'm sitting in right now in the training room. It's called Texas Gun Experience. Um, And that's what it is on Facebook. That's what it is on Instagram. And uh, we're also on LinkedIn. We get a lot of traction from LinkedIn, believe it or not. And uh, uh, we built this 35,000-square-foot indoor facility that's freaking fantastic. Kevin Dixie came for the grand opening. Um, we've got, like, 26 lanes, uh, big big event rooms. We get a lot of corporate uh, traction from people wanting to do team-building events, bachelor parties, birthday parties. And then we even do baby showers and gender reveal parties here, believe it or not. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> so uh, that's yeah. – yeah, so that's what I do. I, I kind of spend my time between the, the corporate – section in the training uh, section in the advocacy section of 2A. Oh, okay. Very cool. Um, how, how did you, you know, how did you get into this in the first place? I had a stalker when I was in my early twenties, but I grew up in a gun family. Um, I grew up hunting. Uh, my grandpa was super into it. And then we, so shotguns were like normal for us. And I've always had one. And, uh, then, you know, I, I got stalked and it was super scary. And so I said, you know, what if, what if I'm out and somebody decides to be retarded, you know, like, or get a little salty with me, like, what am I going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. And so I started to get into handguns and, uh, but I was taking training from men because, you know, when I started doing this, I mean, I'm almost 38 years old now, but you know, back then I was 21, 22. And so I, I said, you know, there weren't a lot of female trainers that you could just find, you know, so I took all of my training from men and, you know, men that were impatient, men that were unkind, but, you know, I was determined and I still learned it. And so that's kind of what brought me into the training world for women is I wanted to create curriculum that women could understand and that women could learn from. But most importantly, I wanted to create curriculum that would get women confident enough and ready enough to take advanced training from men, because if you don't do that, you're not going to get any real world experience. Uh, so they need to be confident enough to take it to the next level and not just stop at introduction to handgun or just stop at license to carry because they're not doing themselves any favors if they don't know how to draw, if they don't understand exaggerated trigger discipline, if they don't understand the press out, they're not doing themselves any favors. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, like, what's the biggest place that us dudes are lacking, uh, you know, when when we give training and uh, I'm saying, if you don't mind, just try to center yourself a little bit because sometimes I'm splitting the screen with the three of us. And you're getting cut off. I would rather me and Patrick's face get cut off than yours. So I don't know if you could go okay. to the left a little. Let me see. Hold on. Until we get Kevin in here. Okay, that's um, okay. You're, you're yeah, that's better. Yeah. So I know, like for example, me. <laughs> if I'm if I'm trying to show Lola anything, I know I'm terrible. <laughs> I, I know I'm horrible. Like I always think, you know, you're gonna be under stress. You got. She gets really mad at me. So I'm sure that that 
happens a lot out there in the, in the world, you know, and I sometimes see, well, that gets in the way. Go ahead, Patrick. One thing here is that's not necessarily just men. Mm-hmm. Like your significant other should never be teaching you gun stuff mm-hmm. because even Marley, like I consider myself a pretty good teacher and a fairly patient and Marley can't stand me when I'm trying to teach her gun stuff. It just doesn't yeah. work. She wants to strangle me. So well, I, I think I've identified pretty much what it is. Okay. And it's and it's a, and it's a male versus female mindset. And so men are typically in this mindset of they want to graduate. They want to go from the fundamentals straight into tactical as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and women want to spend a lot of time on the fundamentals so that they don't shoot their foot off. Right. Because they're more concerned <laughs> with safety. Mm-hmm. So they want to spend more time in the fundamentals before they go tactical. And men, when they teach, they want to get tactical very quickly as well. Okay. Because that's what's the funnest for them, especially if they grew up around this, if it was something that they've always been in, you know, involved in or whatever. And that's just the different mindset between men and women. And so women want to take more fundamental classes and spend more time figuring out grip, stance, sight, picture, trigger pull before they move into draw from holster and low light shooting and, you know, simulating injury and doing tactical reloads and things like that. And so when a woman is teaching a woman that they know that mm-hmm. and you don't. Mm-hmm. And so you, and, and it's bore, it's almost boring to you, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's almost boring to you to spend all of this time on range etiquette, you know, and how to load the gun and how to, you know, cycle the action or ride the slide. Like that's why, that's why you need, we need more female trainers who really want to learn everything. There's a lot of women that come out there and believe me, I'm not trying to poo poo on my gender, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of women out there who want to be trainers, but they don't want to put in the time to sharpen the skills to become an actual advanced shooter and then go back and teach the fundamentals to women. They just want to take a couple of NRA classes and then all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, you're an instructor and that's not how it works. And you shouldn't really want to be an instructor. You should want to be a teacher. Okay. An instructor just tells you what to do. A teacher makes sure that you understand the information. Okay. Um, I don't know if you wanted to jump in there, Patrick. I'll give you a chance. I'm still trying to get Kevin oh. in. So, uh, so what do you think should be the path for? Let's like like start with what you just said uh, in regards to women coming into the industry and wanting to be instructors. What should be the path? Like you said, you know, a couple of classes with the NRA probably not good enough. What should someone do? If someone out there is listening. I don't, I don't really honestly feel like, I mean, this is just my, my opinion, but I mean, I don't feel like unless a woman is, unless a a female instructor is tactically sound, um, Mm -hmm. like she can easily draw from holster. She knows different holster options and how to draw from them. Um, if she, if she can't do, you know, groupings on the fly, like drawing from holster and, and doing a six inch grouping or something like that, like she doesn't need to be teaching anybody, you know, how to shoot. Now there's a difference between instructing formal classes and just going and teaching your friend, the fundamentals, like that's, that's something totally different. But if you're going to go into an operation like Texas gun experience or, you know, any one of these major, you know, firearms facilities that we have in Texas and you, and you are not an advanced shooter yourself, you don't have any business, uh, you know, running a training department or, or teaching large formal classes. Like you have to put in, it took me, you know, I mean, it took me five, six years to get to that point. And yes, I was teaching my friends who were like, I have no idea how to shoot a gun. I would be more comfortable going to the gun range with you. Now that's different, um, than wanting to come in and make a career 
out of it. And there's a lot of women that are like, oh, I want to be in the gun industry because it's so cool. And there's a lot of gun bunnies that take pictures in their underwear and crap. And that's fine. I mean, it's, I'm not poo-pooing that. I'm just saying like, don't expect, don't, when people question your ability, when, when they saw, just saw you in a thong with an AR, like, don't be mad because they questioned your ability. Just prove them wrong if you actually have the talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't, but don't walk in and, and expect to make a career in, in the gun industry if you're not willing to put in the time to make sure that you're an advanced shooter yourself. Yeah. I think there's definitely levels of, um, of, of instruction here that we're talking about. Maybe you're just trying to get your basic instruction so that you could, you know, get your CCW, let's say, right? That's one yeah. thing. Yeah. And depending on what state you're in, that's got a certain amount of time or whatever that you have to do. But I see what you're saying. You have to spend a lot of time as like an RSO too, yeah. like watching other people teach classes. And I have a lot of advanced instructors in the, in the Texas area that come in and take my fundamental basic classes because they want to start over with the fundamentals. Like they don't want to become complacent, you know? And I mean, I think, you know, Andy Montoya and, and Judson Crossland said it best. Like even as, as an advanced trainer, if you go back and take a basic class, you're still going to learn something that you didn't know, mm-hmm. or you're going to learn a different way of teaching something that you already know how to teach in a better way. Okay. Um, I think that there's uh, I think there's dudes who shouldn't be, uh, be giving, uh, advanced classes either. So I mean, I've seen that too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's just me. And I think there's guys, I think I've said this before, I think there's guys that are gun bunnies. It's not just, it's not just a woman thing. There's guys out there it's who not, are gun bunnies. But I don't, but to make it very clear, I don't teach advanced training. I mm-hmm. take advanced training. Okay. But I, I work within my strengths and my strength is, and my passion, more importantly, is working with women and youth to get them confident enough and ready enough to take classes from people like Rob Pincus mm-hmm. or... You know, people like, you know, even the advanced trainers that we have here that were like former military and former law enforcement. Like I, that's what I'm doing is I, I am an advanced shooter, but I am a fundamentals trainer. Mm-hmm. I'm a fundamentals teacher. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Um, let's see here. I'm going to try to go. I'm going to see if there's any questions. Everyone that's out there, please right now smash the thumbs up. So we appreciate that. There's a bunch of different comments and things like that coming in here. Uh, some people think this is your house in the backdrop. I'll show the backdrop here. Not your house. Not my house. Yeah. Um, that would be awesome. I would like to. This is a range, right? In fact. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a range like that inside my house. I can't see anything except the ceiling, but uh, it looks good. <laughs> still well, this is our like training. This oh, is this our is the classroom. Room. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we have this. Uh, in the back, we've got all the AV equipment, projector screens, whiteboard backsplash, like all that stuff. We've got areas for food down there and cabinets. And then our retail space is kind of out this way. Oh, nice. Um, and then we, our lanes are behind us and we've got 25 and 50 yard lanes and we've got them um, segregated so that we can have events. Like we can shut down a five lane bay and we can do a corporate event. It doesn't affect our public membership or walking guests. Oh, okay. How big is this? Uh, how big is this place? 35,000 square feet. Oh, wow. Awesome. And We've got a boardroom and an additional training room upstairs. So we get a lot of, cause we get a lot of corporate people. We're like seven minutes from DFW airport. Oh, okay. So we get a lot of, yeah, corporate. Traction. So it's already open. What did you do? To, are you like remodeling it or what, what exactly? No, um, the, the ownership, uh, Joseph and Jared Stanier, two brothers built it. Um, their father started the retail space about 40 years ago. And then they just built a range. Um, they bought some land uh, about 20 minutes down the road from where the 
original retail space was. And they built this retail space up over like 40 years. So they've got buying power, relationships with distributors. We're a top five Wilson combat dealer in the nation. Um, so we're, we're big retail area that just built a range on top of it. And so the brothers, um, one's an army veteran and one's a Marine veteran. Um, they, uh, hired me to come in and consult on it and, and go, you know, how should our training program go? How should our event structure be? Um, you know, we did a little bit of staff training on it. Like how do we run ranges? Who should we hire? You know, kind of thing. So I started working with them a year before this place was ever open. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Let me see. I'm going to try to, I'm going to see if there's any other, uh, is there a restaurant or anything like that in there? Well, not in here. Yeah. Um, that's, I, that's I always important for a... me when I go to the range. <laughs> I don't know. We've got vending, um, but we're literally right across main street. Uh, you know, if you Google grapevine, Texas on the map, you'll see where main street is and in, in highway 121. And literally we're across the highway from the main thoroughfare of grapevine where downtown is, where all the restaurants are. So catering things over here and, having those kind of events where you have beverages and food and all that kind of stuff is not hard at all. Oh, okay. All right. Um, okay. And I see that Flying Rich, shout out to Richard Hughes. He says, uh, I've got a range. Yeah, my range is outdoors, you know, which is fine when the weather's nice. I think it'll be great to have a, I need an indoor range, you know. I need to, like, be able to shoot at midnight. So what's the hours over there? <laughs> Uh, we're usually open until uh, eight o'clock during the week, nine o'clock on the weekends. But for events and like special training classes, we don't really operate within, um, you know, those operating hours. Um, you know, like I've got some moms that have been training with me for over a year that are graduating into draw from holster mm -hmm. stuff. And they, they're, you know, they're like, we either want to go while the kids are in school or we want to go before the kids are in school. So they'll come here at like six o'clock in the morning and do draw from holster stuff and then get done and go get the kids ready for school and, you know, go on about their day. So mm -hmm. we can do that for, you know, groups of people that really want to get their training in, but you know, man, getting it done during the day or in the evening when they've got family obligations can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 817 LDS wants to know if you can if you could take and eat food over there, just to stay on yeah. the food, you know, just to, to stay, stay on, on the food wagon, just yeah. to stay on the food. And we've thing, got a yeah. vending area for like water and like snacks and stuff yeah. like that. So mm -hmm. we've got a little lounge area in the retail space where people can chill mm -hmm. if they're waiting for the background checks or something like that. So super, okay. super robust. Yeah, all inclusive. I want to be there all day. Should be a hotel upstairs you or should, a condo. You should talk to Kevin Dixie about it, man. I thought he was never going to go back to Missouri oh. <laughs> when he came here for grand opening. Yeah, yeah, that'll be nice. That would just be, you know, I don't know. I, if I had to put together my uh, like dream thing, I want a, a a place where I could I could live right there, go down and shoot, and then there's a racetrack. That's all I need. <laughs> like around it. Yeah. Instead of a moat around the castle, you want yeah. a racetrack yeah. around the race castle. Yeah, a racetrack and a range there that I could go shoot whenever I want to, you know. I mean, okay, I might I might add, like, where I could just make the range private so no one else is shooting when I'm making my videos. But So what you're saying is that we need to build, like, you and Lola an apartment on the yes, roof. Yes, I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm for that, you know. I'll sweep okay. up I'll sweep up the brass or something like that, you know. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> to pay my way through that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we did a pretty cool. We did a pretty cool uh, event a couple weeks mm -hmm. ago called Smoking Guns, and Kalia Noir came for it. Oh, nice. Um, and we did uh, we did a bunch of full autos because we have over forty to choose from. Mm -hmm. um, we pulled a bunch of full autos. People paid like one hundred fifty bucks a ticket. 
We served dinner. Um, we put them out on the range with the full autos. We had some standard um, guns that we had out for people to shoot. They did like sink, sink your battleship competitions with battleship targets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of graduated into the event room and I had banquet tables set up and we had dinner and we had a, a bourbon tasting and a cigar tasting with uh, DAV cigars out in New York, their oh, owner. This is, so we do this like is really so cool awesome. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is like all the right things, all the right things. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I caught. Collier Noir put it up on his Instagram page if you go take a look at it. It's oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I will check that out. Um, what's the what's the uh, range memberships or fees like over there? Uh, they start at uh, $69 a month for unlimited shooting, mm-hmm. um, and you get some perks with that because we have an app um, where you can make online lane reservations, uh, which is super helpful on the weekends when we're on a three-hour wait list. Uh, mm-hmm. So membership definitely has its perks. Um, and then we, we have – Levels of membership that get you into a private shooting area. We've got, you know, corporate memberships and things like that mm-hmm. um, that give you discounts on ammo and guns even. Um, like our our corporate membership gets you 10% off everything in the retail space, including firearms. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. I've got some more stuff here. Uh, Special K says, can you also add free ammo for life? <laughs> <laughs> Son, I wish. And if, it, if we had that, I would be the first one to take advantage of it. And I wouldn't tell not nobody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Calico Jack, I don't know if he's there, but he says food truck Friday, Hank. So is, is, there, is yeah. there a food truck? We that have comes food up? trucks okay. that come back. Yeah, we've got food trucks that come by on the weekends. And actually, we're doing a, a on March 22nd. We've hooked up with a local business called uh, Colleyville Eats. Um, mm-hmm. It's a gal that that supports a lot of the local restaurants. She's got like 11 chefs coming in to do little stations all throughout the place. Um, so people are going to be able to buy tickets for, you know, 10 bucks if they want to just sample the food and then 30 bucks if they want to sample the food and get on a full auto. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. So they're going to be able to come in and get chef. Chefs are going to be cooking them little samples. Right. And then they're going to, like, be able to roll in and shoot all the crap from the H&K family or the Tommy wow. Gun or the Browning 1919. Yeah. So. Hmm. So, you know what? I've, there's nothing like that here where I live in Florida. I'm assuming, <laughs> Patrick, is there anything like that in Florida at all? Not that I know. Um, well, yeah. to that quality level, I'd say no. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there are um, – the one that I like is – you get it in Tampa and Orlando, um, Shooter's World. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's probably the nicest range in Florida. As as mm-hmm. You guys are going to have to get on a plane and come yeah. to me like so you guys can see what this is all about. Are you, are you only that's building – That's we do that's different. Are you only building these in Texas? So far, Um, so I did, uh, I had a hand in the Frisco Gun Club that does have a restaurant in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a hand in uh, Defender Outdoors over in Fort Worth. Uh, And then I had a a hand in uh, the, there's a really nice pistol and archery range down in Conroe called Saddle River. And then I I built this one and then I uh, might do one down in Waco over by Baylor um, at the end of the year. Yeah, we do. We do need to, uh, we need to upgrade Florida to some of this, so. If if someone in Florida that has a kajillion, you know, I don't know what what it really takes to build something like this. How many millions? Maybe we could just do like a GoFundMe or something. Let's do it. <laughs> Why not? And the public will we'll have a public board and yeah. I mean, yeah. I would love to come and do a, a range in Florida. That would be really fun. Yeah. Special K once he says so. Hank, when are we expecting this kind of service on the hacienda? The day after never. <laughs> it's never gonna happen if you come to shoot on my range you have to do yard work that's the, that's the first thing that's what we do you might have to run around after some goats 
you know, <laughs> probably you're going to have to fix some steel that's been shot down or something like that. Yeah, my my range is never going to be high end, but it's basically just for like forgetting the videos that that we need to get done. Um, but I think, you know, really, without a doubt, I think it would be cool to have access to someplace like this. Do you guys have any of the virtual training stuff over there? We don't yet. Um, okay. That's kind of kind of be, you know, phase two, because um, mm. I, I love to teach on like a laser shot or a TI system. I think it's a great way to teach like introduction to handgun. Um, the kids love it. You know, if you're doing kid events and stuff like that, um, there's a lot of ways that you can monetize that and incorporate it into different things that you do at a, a facility like ours. Um, so that's that's coming. Um, but we don't have any of that just yet. OK. All right. Cool. Um, let's see here. I'm gonna, I don't know what, what happened to Kevin. I'm assuming that he's stuck in traffic or something like that. So I have no clue what's going on with him. Uh, Lola wants to know what's advanced training. That's a question from Lola. She wants to know. So, yeah, yeah I think, um, what's that, I Lola? think when you start, Oh, the... someone asked in the chat. Yeah. Oh, sorry. someone asked in the chat. Yeah. To me, I mean, and I would, you know, love for Babyface over here to weigh in too, because I feel like I'm dominating the entire conversation. Um, he's you know, uh, he's when... he's kicking some people out of the chat right now. It's it's been <laughs> yeah yeah. So go. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like when you when you start to get into um, draw from holster, I think there's a huge responsibility for carrying on the body. And while I'm all about liberty, um, I, I doesn't mean that you know rights don't have weight. And I think that when you start getting into carrying on the body um, and carrying in public places and stuff like that, I mean, you got to know the best way to draw. You've got to be able to assess the situation quickly. Um, you've got to be able to hit your shot and know when to take it. And so I think that's when when it becomes advanced training, when you're getting out of a controlled environment and into the public. Mm -hmm. OK, um, let's see here. OK. He's all flustered. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different things going on. I apologize. I apologize for this right now. I'm usually better than this. Lola's talking to me. There's a whole bunch of different things going on. So I'm trying to get my act, uh, trying to get my act together here. Uh, Night Train wants to know what handguns do you like to shoot? So um, pretty much all of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love like any gun that you want to put in my hand and have me try. I'm gonna. I'm going to love to, to try to shoot it. But, um, the, the carry pieces that I have are, are several, um, because I, I teach a workshop called preparing what you wear, uh, where women can come and, uh, I show them how to, to conceal carry in different outfits. Uh, and then I show them how to draw the best way from that. And mm -hmm. one of the big things that women like to do in Texas is purse carry. And I'm like, well, there's a way to do it. I mean, I'm not an advocate for it, but you know, there's a way to do it. And a lot of women don't really understand the value of time and readying your weapon prior to needing it. And, and you really have to do that with purse carry. And then they, a lot of them also don't understand, you know, the physics behind the gun, which I think is super important because, you know, if you go to shoot through the purse, you know, that slide's going to get caught in the fabric or that hammer's going to get caught in the fabric. So a lot of women don't really understand that probably a hammerless revolver is going to be the best thing to carry in a purse. So hmm. I own a hammerless revolver. about that. Uh, yeah, um, I own a hammerless revolver for that very reason. I don't like revolvers. I'm not big on them. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have one just in case I ever decide to purse carry. I have a little Smith & Wesson Airweight. Um, and then I, a SIG 238 is uh, my carry of choice if I'm wearing dresses or if I'm boot carrying. Um, and then I have a, a Glock 43 uh, that I carry the most often. 
um, for sure. And uh, I've, I've been looking at the 365 and the Hellcat. Um, I'm not honestly super impressed with either one outside of the magazine capacity. I think they could, you know, if SIG can make a 238 and a 938 very comfortable to shoot, I don't really know where the 365 and the Hellcat went wrong. Um, but so, I mean, hol- guns and holsters are like, are like earrings and necklaces to me, right? I've got all kinds of different ones for all kinds of different things. Um, so I've got a, you know, a lot of wisdom to impart, but I also, you know, I learn a lot from these guys that I work with, man. I mean, they show me a lot of stuff that, you know, I would never think of. That's how I got the hammerless revolver thing because I was working on this, you know, workshop. And one of the guys was like, well, how are you going to teach purse carry? And I'm like, hell, that's a good question. (laughs) You know, and they imparted that knowledge on me and we tested it out. And I'm like, it makes sense. Um, so, you know, I just, I carry whatever's going to be best for the outfit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Harry Harrison of Harry's holsters says revolvers definitely have their place. Um, they do. Yeah. And Len Holt wants to know if you use clip or holster on boot carry. I don't know. Do you, Uh, you, 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 I'm guessing I use holster. Uh huh. You don't, no, do you don't. boot, you don't boot carry, right? I don't know. If I'm, not, I'm still not trying typically. to get Kevin in here. So this is <laughs> a little bit crazy right now. Yeah. Has he responded to you? Yeah. I think he's having some kind of technical difficulties getting okay. in. Yeah. So. Got it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't really, I've never really had to boot carry, um, but I like to show it as an option and kind of say, you know, I don't really advocate for this necessarily, mm-hmm. but if this is what you're going to do, you might as well know, you know, the best, the best way that I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, typically I'm, you know, I teach a lot of appendix. Um, you know, I do, um, you know, shoulder carry sometimes I've got the undertech undercover shirts, um, that have the built-in holsters on the sides. And I like to wear those when I go to the movies, when I'm in a seated position, uh, a lot, um, I like to mm-hmm. wear those. So we go over a lot of different things. We go over thigh, thigh carry and, and under dresses and things like that. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see what other, let's see what other questions we have popping up here right now that we could, uh, and, and feel you have free. a super engaging audience. Yes. Like, feel free awesome. baby face to, uh, <laughs> you know, to feel some of these things. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I'm glad you're enjoying it while I'm trying to <laughs> listen to this conversation and get Kevin. Kevin's trying to call just, into just us. Just ignore it. He's trying to call in and say, oh, here we go. I think I'll get him now. Okay. Let's see if we got him for crying out loud. All right. Kevin Dixie, tell me that you're out there. Jeez. <gasps> Man. Hey, Kev. Yeah, there you go. Man, sorry. I am, I am so sorry. I just, I don't know why that Skype was giving me fits. It wouldn't let me work on my computer. I had to go to my cell phone, so I'm sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. We got you here now. That's what counts. You might want to turn the phone sideways. Sideways. And, yeah, and then at some point here, it'll flip over. Unless it's locked. It might be locked. Looks like your phone isn't uh, switching, so you might have it locked. So, um, Harry's holster says I would boot carry a Glock 42 when in the waistband isn't an option. It's, is this boot carry thing really serious? I really feel like you know. I think that that's gun. That gun is even a little big for boot carry, but mm-hmm. he might 
you know, yeah. he might have bigger feet than me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it depends who you are. I mean, uh, sometimes boob carry works, you know, for the ladies. I don't know. Some, not, some of the guys. Yeah, if you've got enough girth. I get into the flashbang holes. No? Okay. I could never mm-hmm. know. And I don't know if that's like an option for bustier women. And maybe mm-hmm. I just haven't graduated to that level yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just can't, you know, I can't. Also, I don't like the idea of the barrel of the gun like being in my tit. That's how I feel about my testicles. <laughs> oh, I don't know that I, I don't know that I'm, I'm really yeah. excited about flashbang holsters, right. but whatever. Okay. I'm not yeah. a fan um, of the, not a fan of the abdominal carry because of that. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. I, I, but you know, I don't have that problem either. Exactly. So carry all day long. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Everyone has to figure out what works for them, you know, their body type, how they like to dress or, okay, there you go, Kevin, you got it. You know, all of those things have to be figured out. What firearms exactly are you using, you know, in, in, in what situations? You know, this is why and there's so many different people talking about these things, right? That is 100%. And that's why I asked that question on the panel, because um, I think that what where, we're, where we are kind of failing when we build these ranges and when we build these facilities is I think we're failing the student base and the demographic because – we don't really have, you know, they're not really putting out on their websites. And I've seen it on a couple of websites, but not most of them, is a clear pathway to training. Like, where do you start? What are the electives like situational awareness and ballistics and cleaning of the guns and things like that? Where do you start? And then when are you considered an experienced shooter? And then when do you put somebody on a maintenance program? And there's not a lot of ranges that offer a maintenance program like draw from holster drills on Tuesday nights and Thursday mornings, you know, or whatever like that. You know, you got to be you got to keep people practicing in the level that they're in because it's a perishable skill. Mm -hmm. And so we can't expect the general public or the militia, right, to be able to respond effectively to these threats that are coming if we're not providing them areas to practice and we're not giving them effective teachings and instructorship, you know, throughout that pathway to training and treating it like a university, like going to a university and getting a lesson plan and going, these are the classes that you have to take to graduate. Mm -hmm. How do you, yeah, how do you even go about, by the way, Kevin Dixie's here. looks like we got them all settled in. Um, How do you even go about putting someone in a maintenance program? (laughs) You know, like how do you evaluate that? So, Uh So I had a hand, I had a hand in creating a gun range software. Um, Mm -hmm. specifically for firearms facilities. And that's one of the things that phase two of Trident One, which is the software, Mm -hmm. will do is you can build in your academy and you can put in the prerequisites and say, you can't take this class until you've taken this class. Mm -hmm. Or you can, as an instructor, override it if somebody's coming into your facility that's already an experienced shooter but still needs to take maybe these two classes. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Well, I thought, okay, I thought you were saying like you might see someone, let's say during a training thing, and you might say, listen, you're not ready for this. You know, you need to either go down oh, or I you do need to go into this too. maintenance. Because that whole maintenance thing seems to me like that person maybe is losing skills or something like that. And they need to. No, because when, now remember, like when you're, you know, when you're maintaining something, mm-hmm. you're continuing to practice on the level that you are. I mean, and you're still going to continue to get better. But that's what a maintenance program is, is someone's done intro to handgun and LTC and intro to draw from holster and advanced pistol one, two and three, you know, and then you have all your like I said, your electives, like your low light shooting and your, you know, Kevin, when we did the train and learn event last year, you know, they they did this great, 
you know, kind of sort of elective class on, you know, taking cover by car, you know, behind cars and stuff mm-hmm. and like what that really means, like all those electives that you want to take. And then you put them on a maintenance program where they're continuing to do the draw from holster stuff. They're continuing to do the tactical move and shoot stuff that way that they don't forget what that looks like in a situation of duress where you're incorporating chaos into the mix where you, where you really have to assess the situation where you're incorporating medical into it. Like, how do you deal with this, the aftermath, you Mm -hmm. know, how do you talk to the police? How do you protect yourself legally? Like all these things are things Mm -hmm. that people, that gun owners need to know, but that they're not, but it's education that they're not getting. Okay. Good, good thing. Um, good point that you're making there. Kermit loves bacon's telling me that most clubs in Connecticut don't even allow draw, draw firing. So I, I don't, how does that, that probably doesn't help with training, I'm guessing. If you not at all. Yeah. And I bet and I bet most in New York and Jersey don't either. Yeah. I mean, they're not doing their, you know, and that's just another way to control people. If they don't have the skill, mm-hmm. if they can't ever learn the skill, then you control them and then you and now and then you have, you know, your your mili- militarized police, you know, areas too, where they have that skill set. They got to learn that. But the general populace doesn't get to know that in order to be able to fight back. I mean, I'm sure Kevin Dixie has an opinion on that, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but it's, you know, I mean, that's not fair. You mm-hmm. know, you if, if it's in, especially if it's in a controlled environment under, you know, the stewardship of a credentialed instructor, the public needs to know that kind of stuff because physics dictates that the only people that are going to be able to purposefully react and respond and contain a threat are the people that are already there. Mm hmm. Okay. All right. Good point. Let me give Kevin a, a entry here. Kevin, what's up? First of all, what's up? Hey, Jerry. What's up, babyface? <laughs> How's it going? Jerry, I'm chilling. Um, man, once again, I'm still like this. This technology sucks. But anyway, that's <laughs> all right, man. We got it. We got it. We made it happen. The um, as far as the the training goes, uh, to just kind of piggyback off what Jerry was saying, um, let's let's start with the draw from the holster thing. Mm-hmm. So there's um. There's kind of a yin and a yang to that. So drawn from the holster in a class, do I think that that's a class that should be taught? Absolutely. Like there's no arguing that. Um, coming into a range and allowing, and she didn't say that, but I just wanted mm-hmm. for anybody thinking this. Coming into a range and allowing people to draw from a holster where you haven't verified their credentials is very dangerous, right? So there's there's the mix of that because we've had it. And if you go in, in, in Jared Bill's ranges, so she'll know, but if you go into... Most of your indoor ranges, you can step right in your, your firing bay mm-hmm. and literally look straight up and you'll probably find a bullet hole. Right. <laughs> so because people are the general public, you know, yeah. the bad thing about the great thing about firearms is they make people feel empowered. The bad thing about firearms is they make they give people a false sense of skill set. People believe because the gun goes banged that they can shoot a gun. And what I often describe to them is, OK, I can put a 13 year old who's been watching Mom and dad drive a car for years, mm-hmm. and they think, oh, I got this. Put them in a car. They can put it in drive and make it go, but can they drive, mm-hmm. right? And and a lot of a lot of shooters, per se, believe that all it takes is to point the thing, make the thing go bang. Uh, to her point about building a, a kind of an academy. So we have that at the Range St. Louis West here in St. Louis, uh, where we have basically prereqs, and we build you up, and we have these courses all lined out. Um, and there are a decent amount of people that that do go through the progress and that take the courses and we build them up. Fast forward three years, these people are in the range all the time. They've taken everything. They're asking us for more and more and more. Uh, then we have the individuals that, you know, they'll come take a concealed carry class and now they're Rambo. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, 
nothing else you can teach them. No matter how you you expose their weaknesses, expose their flaws, and we've all seen them, those are the same individuals that will tell you they got everything under control and then come out and you see their shot group on their target and they're like, oh, it's just a bad day. Like, mm-hmm. no, you, you, you just because they Because they've never been exposed to any of that kind of force-on-force training. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've thwarted a lot of women out of purse carry is because I brought them into a force-on-force class and I'm like, I'm going to be your assailant and then they can never get their gun out of their mm-hmm. purse before I shoot them in the face 19 times. The, <clears throat> my other complaint with, with purse carry, and I've told my wife this, and she still carries in her backpack in her purse, is if the first thing somebody's going to do is try to snatch that. Like, even if they don't want to get into a, a altercation with you, you may have somebody run up, grab your purse, and yeah. try to run well, off. Well, because so isn't that what they're looking there goes for? your gun. Isn't that what they're <laughs> looking for if they're trying to – I mean, unless they're trying to do something obviously worse than that, well, they just, right? They're going for the purse. Most muggers just want your money yeah. and whatever's in your keys, whatever they you They just want to snatch and grab. Yeah, yeah, yeah they don't, they don't want to fight you. Well, you, you know what, though? That's because it's, – it is. I, I like to spread – blame is such a harsh word. It's not really blame. It's all about trying to educate people the best you can. But there is – when it comes to purse carry, I don't like it. Even. I don't like off-body carry at all. Okay. I don't like when people carry guns and bags and none so, of that. I so, think Kevin Dixie, you're saying you never purse carry? Uh, once. No, okay. I could not resist That it. is not true. He bought, a, he bought a carry purse when he was here for grand opening at Texas Gun Experience. Oh, he hey. did. Oh, where is the pictures? Like that between me and you, bro. Okay. Um, but uh-huh. the, the, the off-body carry, you know, especially in a purse, is – it is risky, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if, if if you got a mugger, mm-hmm. that's the first thing they're coming for is your purse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this other thing where we've convinced, um, uh, I, and I see it all the time, to where the counter guys, and that's why the counter guys and boyfriends and husbands are the worst. And they all pretty much say the same thing and are always like, smaller the better. Mm-mm. And thus, when you make something so tiny, a woman is equating it to being able to put that in her purse. Like, oh, it's now it's out of my way, so I'm carrying a gun, cool. Um, to the force on force factor, you know, it's hard to get them to really see that. What they'll see is, unless you get them in class, and obviously they can see it quick. Uh, but what they see is convenience, right? Because we've sold guns so small, we like, oh, it's so convenient. And the boyfriends, the counter guys are like, small, small, small. And so they're like, yeah, now this is convenient. And and your, your lifestyle, carrying a gun is not always going to be comfortable. And you have to make the decision if I want to sacrifice a little bit of comfort or if I'm willing to sacrifice my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, yes, and I can't tell you how many women have buyer's remorse over those LCPs. Oh, oh my God, so many people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, who, who convinced you to buy that? Like, it's, you've clearly never point. shot. Well, <laughs> I think to go to what Kevin is saying, you know, just with, in, in regards to the LCP, right? It's easy to sell. Small, cheap, like Evan is saying, mm-hmm. everyone pushes it. People go, oh, let me get this. And then ultimately, like, you'll run into issues. For me, for my hands, it's definitely too big. But even for Lola, let's say, that has smaller hands, eventually she'll realize she doesn't have, like, the recoil in that if she's trying to shoot it because, you know, you got to train with whatever you're going to carry. And so you wind up moving away from that very easily. You can't even manipulate it easily. You know, if you add in nails and stuff like that to the equation, you know it gets worse. When you do stuff like that, and, and don't give me, I just don't, mm-hmm. I don't like that gun. I don't like the Smith and Wesson bodyguards, just certain, those mm-hmm. little guns I just don't like. Mm-hmm. And what happens is simple physics, right? Mm-hmm. Think about the new earth shooter, female, male, whatever. Think about the new earth shooter. You're trying to walk them through this process. But the person at the genesis of it or close to the genesis that was by the sale of the gun sells one of those firearms. And all the things that you just said, Hank, are a, a thousand percent true. And they get down to the range. They're just going to the range by themselves to get comfortable shooting a gun. 
mm-hmm. and they shoot it about two mags and are like, okay, this hurts, this sucks, yep. I'm not enjoying this. Mm-hmm. And they walk out, now that thing is collecting dust somewhere and they they don't want to, either they can't afford to make another investment. We all know that uh, guns are worse than cars. Once you buy it, you're gonna take a loss if you try to get rid of it, right? Mm-hmm. So shop is gonna buy it back for like 75% reduction in cost to be able to uh, make a profit off of it. And so now you're starting somebody down a, a rabbit hole that seems like it's just gonna get darker and darker and darker for them. It's uncomfortable, they don't like the gun, Instead of you taking a taking a chance, taking the time, I should say, to really coach and mentor somebody, even up until the purchase. Most rangers have loaner guns. Most of them do anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, have people rent a gun and get what's comfortable for them. Another thing that people, counter guys, boyfriends, and husbands need to stop doing, especially, is trying to tell somebody what gun is the best for them. You have no freaking idea. You don't know what's best for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, even somebody walking into a range and, and they'll ask me, the woman always comes up, oh, I just want a little nine. And, I, you know, it's not too much. So I'm like, OK, I always equate to something I believe that they know. I said, you know, what if I told you I had a size nine shoe and I needed a size nine shoe? What would you say to me? She's like, well, what you want, a flat or stiletto? I'm like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Sense, yeah. So let's start there mm-hmm. and let's let's, let's kind of, you know, really good. out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I do it. I go to something they know. And I normally look at how they're dressed. And I'll pick something on her, you know, their their body to be like, you know, oh, she likes shoes. Obviously, she has a nice pair of shoes mm-hmm. on and go there. And, and, and then what you have to be able to do is make them feel powerful in the selection process. Don't educate them to the point to where they feel like, oh, I'm you're going to help me. But now I'm educated enough about what you've shown me and talked to me about and what I've experienced that I can make an educated choice. Now they have equity and investment into the choice they made instead of somebody just saying, hey, here's a gun. Now go shoot it, especially the sales guys that are looking at a commission check or looking just to say I sold the most guns this month. Mm-hmm. Cabela's is horrible for that. Mm-hmm. Horrible for that. Mm-hmm. Right. So we never investing yeah. in the individual at the beginning and making sure they are involved in a customization process from buying the gun through their development. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. I noticed I, I noticed you were clapping there. So um, let's I just want to go back to the purse carry for a second before we go away from it. Right. Is there a scenario where the purse carry it, it works, or is it like a hundred percent? Is it a hundred percent wrong? It's so. I would tell you that you know, obviously, if you're going to do it, it's you know, it needs to be a crossbody bag. Um, but I don't really, I can't really think of a scenario in which you would carry a purse with a gun in it versus carrying on the body. It's kind of like raisins. Okay. So like, can you, can you make things with raisins and they're pretty good? Sure. But they're always better with chocolate chips. (laughs) For example, a box of raisins. Gross. <laughs> a box of chocolate chips is always going to be better than a box of raisins. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So raisins you're really are never not good doing to me. yourself, Mm-mm. you know, yeah. Yeah. any favors. I mean, oatmeal raisin cookies, good. Mm. Oatmeal mm-hmm. chocolate chip cookies, better. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that we need to, you know, that, that, and that's the one thing that we really need to start. Like I got so irritated when they, when, when they wanted me to go shop for concealed carry purses to put in the inventory here. And I'm like, why, if we carry them, like we're, it's like we're advocating for that, mm-hmm. you know, and that is one thing to Kevin's point that the industry does is they make a lot of stupid gear for women and market it to women. That's not even necessary. 
Oh, like <laughs> that's the firearms the, industry in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of the gear that women can use is gear that men have always used. We don't really all you do, pop a different color on it. That's yeah, pink, pretty much it. Pink. You that's know? the solution and, to get all the the money from the ladies. You know, yeah, and I think outside of, you know, like Amy Robbins did a really good thing with Alexa Athletica. She made a really good product mm-hmm. of concealed carry leggings that women can run in mm-hmm. um, and they don't feel weighed down. And she did she did a really good job with that. But really outside of that, there's not a lot of products that are customized Who was that again? toward women. Who did you just say? Um, Amy, Amy Robbins. Oh, Amy, uh, Amy, with right. Alexa Athletica, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. She made a great product and I beta tested a lot of her stuff mm-hmm. um, and, and it works. And so I think that, out, but really outside of that, I really haven't come across any big products that are marketed toward women that I'm like, oh my God, I can't live without that. Like I must have it and it's only for women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we just have to, if you want to get in this game and I'm talking to ladies right now, if you want to get in this game and you want to learn how to protect yourself effectively and you want to give yourself your best chance, you're going to have to really, you're going to have to really step into it and go, oh, but not if it compromises what purse I'm going to carry or not if it compromises, you know, my comfort level hundred percent or not if I have to wear a longer shirt, you know, like you're either in or you're out okay. because if you're, if you're only halfway in, then you're going to put yourself in a little bit of danger because you're not making the time that you need to make to really learn this through and through so that you can carry a gun on your person while your kids are running around. Because the biggest, the biggest thing that worries me are distracted moms with guns mm-hmm. that have taken exactly two classes in their life. Mm-hmm. With, guns, with guns in their purse. Yeah, with guns yeah. In, hanging out in their purse, just mm-hmm. chilling, mm-hmm. you know, and then they forget about it. Like, you know, because you either, you're, either, you're either not used to carrying, so you forget you have it, mm-hmm. or you're so used to carrying that you forget you have it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I see, you know, and I hear horror stories in my classes of women all the time. They're like, yeah, I got my LTC. And then I, I went to the bathroom and left my gun on the back of the toilet at the gas station. And I'm like, you can't, like, that's why you have to continuously train so that you don't make those kind of idiot mistakes. Yeah. Okay. I see. Uh, who wants to jump in here? Kevin, did you want to do you yeah, want to think, jump in and then I'll also answer the question, uh, if you don't mind? Do you think there is a is there a, a use for uh, purse carry? So the, the one the one time that I would say potentially is if you but then with all the products that are out there, so it's it's going to be a give or take because there are so many belly bands and mm-hmm. so many different things you can get. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess if you have on a a nice tight fitted dress right you're going to a nice ball maybe that tight little black dress you're not you're not don't have a thigh rig or anything like that then and you want to carry something even to an elegant event then i mean maybe maybe i can possibly see that um just i'm careful about telling people it's okay because they take it around with it Mm -hmm. um but I, I think that if you can avoid it at all costs, you should make it a last resort now is it is is do they make the purses and things like that yes do i I crap on them, no. Um, but you know, if it, it's just, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. I would tell any any woman not to off body carry in a purse if you can at all costs. Carry it on you. Um, you can research the products that are out there. If you don't wear jeans on a regular basis, mm-hmm. the belly bands and things like that that are more suitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of women are worried about well to get to some of the belly bands. You know, if I have on a like a, a one piece, I have to pull it all the way up. I was like, well, make sure it's the last show he sees. That's fine. You know, he's not going to be able to tell about it. It's, it's okay. 
Yeah, a little bit of distraction of your opponent yeah. is not going to hurt you. <laughs> but yeah, he gets starstruck by some candy he sees, and he gets the flash, and let him get the flash. You know, um, and and then to, now everything Jared said was right. I like the way that she put it. You're either in or you're out. Like that was solid, because really that's what it comes down to. And and I think a lot of times two things. I think one, when it comes to women and self defense. We are naturally more gentle because they're women, but sometimes we need to spice it up a little bit. Like, you know, you I can't I can't always boo-boo baby you because guess what? The dude that's gonna rob you, mug you, or the chick that's gonna rob you, mug you, rape you, whatever, mm-hmm. they're not gonna boo-boo baby you. They're gonna take what they want, they're gonna do it with aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point you have to be be willing to push a little bit harder and get them into it. Now that's gonna be depend on person to person. You gotta be careful with that. The other thing is once if the industry keeps pushing too many things that they say are female driven down their throats. And I've ran into this. Uh, Jared was even there once personally to see it happen. What happens is all of a sudden women think that all the training is molded around them. I have literally gotten into probably about 15 to 20 discussions about women asking me, well, how do you train me to defend myself against an attacker? I said the same way I train a man. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't ask for equality and then want everything to be separate. Now, yeah, we can 100%. do some individual beginner classes, we can do things to get you comfortable. Absolutely true. But once you get to a certain point, I don't walk into a classroom that's open. Like I'll, I'll be in South Carolina next week. I'm not going to walk in there and be like, OK, ladies, when you do this drill. No, hell no. We are equal fighters and we're going to fight equally right now. When it comes to hand to hand, I might make some things to change things like that. But when we're talking about pistols, uh, you fight just like everybody else fights. But there are a lot of women that have been so app to the industry flexing and saying, oh, this is for women. Like, I love it when I see the gun for women and stuff like that. You know, now they're thinking that that involves all their training, too. Like, oh, that that class is, oh, that's a that's a draw from the holster class. Oh, you guys are moving behind barricades and stuff like that. Oh, where's the one for the girls? Like, the one with the dudes in it? Yeah. You how, know, how, can the, like how, how does one design a gun that's for women? Paint it, like yeah, you guys say, I mean... Earlier. Yeah, I mean that that's that's not necessarily true. I mean, they I think that when you I think you can make certain firearms that do fit women a little bit better um just because, you know, our our bodies and you know, the ergonomics The, of, the only one I've ever seen is different. the curve. Have you ever seen the Taurus um, curve? Have you ever seen no, that gun? Uh, but I mean, no, I'm trying I, to think well, of Well, no, I've seen the Taurus curve. I'm yeah. just saying that I you know, I, I think that when you you know, different guns in different sizes typically fit women better, mm-hmm. but but they're all typically unisex. I mean, men can usually shoot them too if their hands are small enough. But um, but I, I love what Kevin said about you know when you're taking classes, man, we can get you ready. Um, you know, you can you can take your introductory classes with you know with a female instructor if you want to, um, and to get you confident enough to get to where you need to be. But at some point, you just gotta train with dudes because that's just the deal. You know, like you're never going to get any real world experience. I mean, when a man hits you in the face, you're going to know a man hit you in the face, you know, and you've got to simulate that as best you can in order to get that adrenaline dump with that tunnel vision. you got to train yourself and you're only going to fall back on the highest level of training or the lowest level of training that you have. And so it's, you know, I get, you know, I, I get that they want to learn with other chicks and they want to like share that together. But I think that one thing to, to Kevin's point that women do is they think that because they can pass a 50 round LTC shooting proficiency and, 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 and all the guys, like that's another thing that guys need to quit doing is quit goo goo gaw over the fact that a woman can actually shoot well. Mm-hmm. Like, 
that's you know what I mean because all that does is it does exactly the same thing as it would to a man it inflates the ego and then they think I don't have to do anything else and there are a lot of social media influencers that I've met in person that I've seen shoot in person that aren't really that good mm-hmm. okay there are some of them that are that good and there are some of them that are not mm-hmm. and then you see that and you go well all you're doing is is shooting content all day. You're not actually working on your skill. And so quit Googling over women. Like I want to teach so many women to shoot that it's not even cool for chicks to shoot anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just normal. Yeah. One of the things I would say, I was thinking about uh, something that you just said that I think one of the problems that we have in society, it's going to sound bad, but there's a lot of women that have not gotten hit. You know, and because that has you're not wrong because that because that hasn't happened. There's so many things um, happening in society. I, I don't you know, that's the last thing that when we want to do. When you've but. Never, yeah. When you've never gotten your ass beat, mm-hmm. it's really easy for you to go, oh, I'll farm out my safety. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of guys know this feeling like who's the guy out there that never got punched in the face by someone? I mean, you know, it's yeah. happened to most guys out there, not necessarily most women. And so there's this false sense of security, I think, because of movies and all kinds of different things that are functioning in society that that. Most often, women are coming up on that and discovering what that feels like when it's too late. And they're not proactive in their in their safety. No, they're not. Yeah, I, I will say this. <clears throat> Recently, within the last um, probably been within the last six months, uh, I had one of my female students who came through um, a course, and she and she asked a question, being you know the motherly, the loving, you know, lover not a fighter type. And she says, hey, we were going over self-defense and the definition of it by by state law and how it applies. Mm -hmm. And when we're discussing the application of it, she says, well, hey, and this question comes up all the time. Well, if somebody's going to like choke me or beat me, then what happens if I just shoot them in the, you know, shoot them in the foot because I don't want to kill anybody. Right. Oh, I I don't want to, you know, kill. So we had that conversation. Um, Fast forward months after that class, um, she actually gets into a shooting. So it was one of my students from last year. She actually gets into a shooting where the ex kicks in the front door uh, after stalking her, kicks in the front door, finds her. She didn't listen to me when I said things about off-body carry, so he kicks in the front door. She up in a, like a townhouse, up a liberal apartment, guns downstairs in a driveway in the, in the, uh, in the court, right? So luckily, um, there was the other boyfriend there, and it's another thing too, so ladies, stop thinking that men are going to protect you. The new boyfriend, when the old boyfriend ran in the house, the new boyfriend ran out the house. Oh, okay. oh, oh yeah. Okay. Um, time, to, time to dump his ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then Nobody's coming to save you. Yes, exactly. amen. Exactly. No one's right. coming to save you. Mm-hmm. She had a, 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 a toddler in the home. Her, her instincts uh, picked in because he's trying to kill her. She runs out. Luckily, she gets to the car. Um, and during the struggles, he's telling her he's going to kill her. He's got his hands around her throat, picking her up off the ground. He's trying to kill her. She gets the gun at a low angle, gets a round off, strikes him in the foot. Okay? He choked her harder. Mm-hmm. All he did was picked up the intensity mm-hmm. level. Adrenaline. She started to black out. Luckily, got the gun at low retention. Uh, from low retention around about mid, popped around off in the chest. Guy falls over. Uh, you know, gravity with the blood flow and the wound does the rest. So um, you can't think that it's going to be okay to not take your training seriously. Not getting hit, I believe, is something that a lot of people haven't experienced. 
um, and thinking that it's just going to be okay and thinking that simply owning a gun. And you, you might think it's kind of lame that we're talking about, make sure you carry the gun on your body, not carry it on your body. But well, that's an example where the gun wasn't available. Same difference. If you carry your gun in your purse, do you sit by your purse all the time when you're in the house? Mm-hmm. No. Your purse no. probably goes on the kitchen table or something or wherever you normally throw your stuff when you come in the house mm-hmm. and you just walk around your normal day. You go mm-hmm. in the basement, you go upstairs, you go back out to the car mm-hmm. or whatever. So mm-hmm. take those things seriously and you do have to step up that level of aggression. That's why force on force classes exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have and to step so up. so good. Yeah. Look, look, for that matter, for that matter, there's a lot of people that don't... Uh, carry a home carry or whatever you want to call it like i do oh that. that's so bad you know i mean i've got sweats but i've got something on all the time and there's people when i talk to them i of course when i started doing this i didn't do that right but it's something i do now all the time and people like even as a guy someone kicks in that door it doesn't matter how many guns you have in the safe i tell my students all the time i'm like anywhere that you are in your home for a long period of time is where your gun needs to be. And I can't tell you how many times I've been made fun of because I take my gun to the shower. Okay. And they're like, and and people are like, I don't want to live my life where I have to take my gun to the bathroom with me when I'm in the shower. And I'm like, have you never seen a horror movie ever? (laughs) (laughs) Have you never watched a horror movie ever? They're waiting for you to be naked in the shower. Okay. And I ain't going out like that shit. My, my pastor's wife was attacked while she was in college by three dudes who broke into her apartment while she was in the shower. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yes, I'm going to take the gun with me to the shower and then I'm going to lock the bathroom door. When I take a shower, I don't care if I know if my mama's coming over, like you got to be prepared and you're going to wish you did when you didn't do it. Yeah. Criminals and bad guys understand opportunity better than businessmen. Do you know that? hundred percent. 100%. 100%. <laughs> they they understand opportunity. They don't come for you when it's going to be difficult. They don't go, oh, let me wait until he's sitting over there cleaning his AR and the magazine. <laughs> you know, he's got the 150 round magazines, right? Come on. The people, people that want to do bad things understand opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's the problem with yeah. opportunity. You know? And, and, it's just one of the things that goes along with the trait. And I don't think anything's wrong. And yeah, you know, for us that, that how I guess we're, we'll use the term house carry. Mm-hmm. For us, those of us that house carry, yeah, people, I agree with Jared, people kind of look at you like you're crazy. They have all these things to say. Mm-hmm. But then these are also the people that normally want to take the safety of children into play, right? You got that. Well, it, it, I want my guns to be safe and I want them to be, if I'm going to own a gun, I'll lock it up at home. I'm not going to carry it into the shower and carry it into the basement. I said, okay, cool. Hey, you got the gun to protect your house? Like, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, but you also want to keep the kids safe. So that's why you have it locked upstairs in the safe. Absolutely. How long would it take me to kick in your front door and get to you? Mm-hmm. So where's the safest spot to do everything to keep the kids safe and to keep your house safe? Well, I don't know. How about on you? Mm-hmm. Because uh, your your 10 year old shouldn't be disarming you. If, if that's happening, you have a whole other problem going on. Um, <laughs> uh, and if you are if you need to protect your house right away, well, you are, you're ready, right? You can respond at any time. And that's where it becomes more of a, a lifestyle. But, you know, that's 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 another thing that's hard to get people to do. I've had so many individuals that claim to be really, really high level in this stuff. And a lot of times I say, they don't even carry a gun on a period. You know, and it's like, I, I think that we are, we, are, we are missing the point if we are not telling people that anytime it is for the safety of the YouTubes, anytime it is lawfully 
okay for you to carry a firearm, you should be armed. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and wouldn't, it be, carry- wouldn't it be an in- wouldn't it be an interesting statistic to know how many guns sit in cars in like the Walmart parking lot, oh, in the Target God. parking lot, while people oh. are actually in there <laughs> shopping? You a know, lot. And then, depending you know, on where you are. And yeah. then yeah. And in Fort Worth, you know, we're, we're just close to where I live. I mean, there's a huge, you know, human trafficking epidemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear about it all the time in the moms groups. All the moms are like, somebody was trying to human traffic my kids and they were following us to the car. And I'm like, shoot them in the face. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, you I'm don't... like, that's the prompt. That's why moms should carry is because mm-hmm. they're looking, the human traffickers are looking for distracted moms with kids that they don't think that they're going to do anything. I mean, there was a kid, Hank, that was like snatched out of her mom's arms in my in my neighborhood, walking at 6.30 at night, what? just walking through the neighborhood. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the guy had been casing the neighborhood for hours, and then he rolls up. They're, hold, they're just holding hands, walking around, you know, like- Yes, in there. America, and people. He, in America. And he wild. runs this- up and snatches the kid out of her hands, throws her in the car. The mom runs in, gets in the car and tries to fight and he kicks her out and runs away. And the whole neighborhood mobilized and we finally found the kid like eight hours later. And Holy but shit, statistically, but... statistically, that's not supposed to happen no. because when females are abducted and put into a moving vehicle, your chances of survival are less than 10%. Mm-hmm. So you like, that's why moms should carry mm-hmm. is because when, cause moms are with kids a lot, not that dads aren't, but moms are with kids a lot and you're a freaking target because you're a distracted mom with one, two, three, four kids. And they're like, this is my prime opportunity to be able to snatch your kids from you and sell them to people. And the, and then 24 hours later, they're in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's insanity. It's It, it happens oh, yeah. here in America. You, I don't think people in really America, understand. The, the, Hank, <laughs> Texas is in America. Just, just to let you know. <laughs> it's America. It's America. Um, it's, you it's, know, it's a tributary to America. Um, the... Okay, let me just go on to this because I think this is a good point here. Um, Len Holt says there's a rash of parking lot thefts here in Tennessee. I think this is something that people don't understand about their cars. It happens even here in Florida. Um, I've heard stories of even gun guys that are on YouTube getting their cars broken into and people going after guns and stuff like that. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, for that reason, don't carry anything in your car. You know, that's a that's a fact of life and there's things that you could do about it, right? You immediately report the 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 gun stolen, all that kind of stuff. But I think like I said about opportunity, people understand that. You know, what you just what you just said, Jared, that there's a bunch of, you know, people in a Walmart, but there's guns in their car. So in Florida, for example, any Walmart, you can go to that parking lot, there's probably a bunch of people in there with guns in their car, and criminals know that. And you're arming the criminals. Like there's times when you, you have to leave your gun in your car. I mean, you know, in Texas, you, do, you could spend the first half of your day going places where you can carry mm-hmm. your gun and the second half of your day in places where you can't. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get it, but I will, and I'll say it and I don't care who gets mad at me. You're a freaking idiot. If you leave your gun in your car overnight, you're so stupid. Like that's, that's part of being a grown up, like paying your bills and then having the wherewithal to get your ass up and walk out to your car and take your gun out of your car before you go to bed. Yeah. Well, so there's multiple things involved here. Yes. Like there are places I know today I had to go to the DMV, uh, which is connected to the courthouse in my little town. And they didn't do this before, but because before you could go to like one side of the building, go into the DMV, you didn't get searched or anything. 
And if you were going to the courthouse, you got searched. Now everyone has to go through one door. So you've got to go through a metal detector and all that. And, you know, that's just, um, I guess that's just the way it is. And know, sometimes you have to, like I said, but they have these, they have things now, like um, there's a safe that you can mm -hmm. put in your car. It's called Reach. And you can, and it's actually has a biometric thumbprint that you have to put on to get it out. Mm -hmm. And that is a, an extra layer of security in the vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, if you have to leave your gun in your car, you can put it in that safe. And it's actually bolted into, you can like bolt it into your console. Mm -hmm. um, so it's super, it's actually pretty hard for a thief who just wants to go in and smash and grab your guns. They're not going to want to spend a lot of time in your car. That is an extra layer of security that you can put in your car. And they're like 200 bucks. Yeah. You can, uh, you can so get I mean, a I cheap, you can get a cheap yeah. one yeah. that you can just lock with a key. I often, I often tell people this, if you, if you, cause you can get those things as a, I mean, you can get a, a, a bulldog with a, a horseshoe or a big cable starting 30 bucks. Hornady started like 45 bucks. Uh, for say for your car. But here's my thing. I agree. I agree with Jared's point. And I tell people all the time in my classes, hey, guess what? Are we all in a, are we a community? Especially if I'm teaching a local class. They're like, yeah, I'm like, we have to be because you wouldn't be here. You didn't drive eight hours to come here for a basic course. Right now, if I travel and do high level stuff, that's one thing. But when I'm doing these basic courses, I'm like, hey, we are part of the same community. Right. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I said, OK, why don't you do me a favor? We're good. You're going to spend six hundred dollars on a handgun. Today, let's say do me a favor. Buy some insurance for it called a safe, right? Because the last thing I want to do is we're all part of the community is that you toss it under the seat of your car, then I'm the one that's staring at the business end of your gun next week. You also wouldn't want me to do that. How would you feel if the gun you see me with right now was taken from me because I was negligent and now you're staring down the business end of it next week? If you can buy a $600 gun, you're an idiot if you don't buy a $35 safe, period. There, there's like not even an argument about that. Right. Mm -hmm. Buy the 35 bucks, say, buy $50, say it's part of the process. Have it for people that are just tossing guns in their cars still to this day. You you understand that people are smashing out windows. This is not new. You think criminals don't know where you can't carry your gun. Mm -hmm. You think they don't know you can't go into the baseball uh, stadium with your gun. Mm -hmm. Sure, they do. Right. They so guess what they do better than you do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, damn right. Absolutely. So you need to be um, much more aware of that. And what I've even gotten the habit of doing um, I have three vehicles. There are um, safes in all of them. So there are safes in all of them. So whatever car I hop in, there should be a safe. And I took one out of one of my cars. I was doing some work to it. I need to put it back in. But you always, if you, you go out, you invest in that properly, then wherever you go, if they do smash and grab your window, most of them are coming with something prepared to yank a safe out your car, mm -hmm. right? Have mm -hmm. it in there the right way and you'll be fine. Just be responsible, man. It's just part of being responsible. I know people, a, a lot of individuals don't like it now when you say, responsible gun owner, but there are definitely things that you can do to be a responsible adult. One of those things is having a way to secure your damn gun. Mm -hmm. And keep a log of your gun's serial numbers, please. I can't tell you how many <laughs> phone calls we get up here with people that were like, my gun was stolen out of my car and I need the serial number. And then we got to go back and find your paperwork and go back <coughs> and like, it's like, keep, keep up with your stuff. Mm -hmm. All you got to do nowadays, everybody has a smartphone. Just take a picture of it. The second you buy it, take a picture of your, so and put it in your one, notes or something. I mean. Yeah. One day you're going to go back and go, Oh God, he, my gun's gone or whatever. And you can go, Oh, let me go through my pictures from three years ago. Oh, there it is. Mm -hmm. There's my, mm -hmm. there's my serial number. So what about the person, which I've seen this, you know, and I've got friends that do this. What about the person that has guns stashed all over their car, ammo stashed all over the car? All that kind of stuff. What about that? I don't hang out for with the, those people. Who are you talking about? For the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> is that is that wrong? 
Well, you know, what do you guys think? <laughs> I, I, I think in the in the in the country when I when I when I go to more rural places, mm-hmm. and you see that more often than I do necessarily in the the more urban or populated or even suburban areas. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I've only really seen that happen when you get out to the rural areas. Most I've seen in suburban or urban areas is you'll you know have a handgun on your hip and uh, there are some people that will carry like a you know uh, a pistol or some type of uh, rifle in the trunk or something mm-hmm. like that locked down. But I don't know if I still ride around. I guess to everybody around me, I'm the gun nut mm-hmm. and I don't ride around like that. So I guess yeah. I just don't get to see that a lot. Yeah, no. same. Yeah, I mean I see it. It's you could, like like we're saying here. You could profile someone like that. It's usually a very big truck lifted. You know, um, certain stickers on it <laughs> that I have some friends. You need to stop putting those stickers on. And I get that people live in rural areas. They know where your population in your town is. Like, man, I'm not going to stop putting my phone stickers on my car or my laptop. Y'all just gonna have to deal with it. Don't give me the Oscar Bravo sticker if you don't want it to go on the car. <laughs> Joseph Anthony says he's he's laughing. He says asking, I'm asking for a friend. Now people will probably believe that I would be that guy with ammo all over the car and guns and all that. No. I do have backup guns and all that stuff. They're in something that I control. I take that in and out of that car with me. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's what because I, I think and you know, I'm not well, sometimes I do drive something that probably looks like one of those trucks. But you know, uh, that's to me. I prefer to constantly have control over things like that. But you know, hey, everyone could do what they want to do. Like no one has to go get training. No one has to do anything. You know, you could have your guns your defense in your purse. is your decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just your life. Yeah, it's the same way I'm looking at all these people that were. I was in um, a local Home Depot here recently, mm-hmm. and they were selling out of the filter mask because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Everybody was buying up the mask, <laughs> and I didn't even know. Like I was standing there looking at this dude panicking. I'm like. What's this, what's this dude problem? Oh, we don't have any masks. I'm like, you don't have any masks in your house? Like none? For no reason? I'm like, okay. And then I just started thinking about it. And I saw about three other people starting to panic. And it was me and another guy just kind of standing there. And I was just kind of like, well, I guess one thing about, I guess, part of the community we're in is I kind of play apocalypse in my mind at least once a day. Mm-hmm. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a, I'm, I'm more prepared. Maybe I'm not as prepared as some, but I'm more prepared than most mm-hmm. to be able to survive if something was to happen immediately. And a lot of people just don't take that kind of stuff serious. But they wonder why when, when things, they go into a panic when things seem to go bad. We had, what, two people now, I think, die of coronavirus in the States. Yep. Am I right? In America? In Washington. Yep, two people yeah, died right. in Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, some Someone died in California, but that's small numbers. That's not really. Yeah, so now everybody wants to panic because they're never they're never prepped. It's the same way. I mean, how many times have we all seen it to where somebody's been been talked to about guns, talked to about guns, and then they wait to the day after they get robbed to come in and and buy one? Yeah. Oh, don't get me started on it. Yeah. Don't get me started on it. Well, I mean, isn't that that's the thing though? Like, I will never in a panic situation like this go out. I don't. By the way, Kevin, I don't think I have any masks in my house. Okay. I don't have any. Yeah, I don't have any. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not worried as... about it because yeah. I got my oils. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I have masks. I mean, I don't have the oils though. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, because lavender essential oil. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the thing. Like, if if we're in a panic moment and now you're gonna go get try to get masks, dude, you could just freaking make a mask, and I don't even know what the mask is gonna do to save you. 
right? I personally well, don't know, know what it could do to save you. They just think they're thinking that if the person next to you has corona, they call on you. But it's easy. People, you, you, you rip up your shirt. You can the flu, then you're fine. Listen, what's the name of that su- that survival book? Baby face, just rip up your shirt, pee on it, wrap that around your face. Oh, you're good God, to go. you <laughs> you're, that's proof of it. You will never get coronavirus. I'm actually good. I, I was just telling, kind of telling people I was joking. They're like, Man, you're not worried about the corona. I said, Dude, I go to Shasha with you. <laughs> yeah, no, nope. more than prepared for, <laughs> for Yeah, you should always be prepared for emergencies. Forget about these big emergencies like what's going on with coronavirus or hurricane. Like what we what we have here in Florida and all that, you should always be prepared for that. And the thing that's going to happen that's more likely to happen to you is your own personal emergency. Tourniquet in the car. Yeah, it's one thing I don't have that I need. Tourniquet. Tourniquet I don't have a tourniquet, and I feel like I I need at least one or two or three. Yeah, I probably I have those and probably don't even know what to do with it, which is like medical training. Oh God, that's medical training. Worse than having. I know. I need to get some medical training. Don't tell Kevin well, Dixie. So Hopefully Kevin Dixie didn't hear that. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even we I'm can not teach even that. <laughs> not even going yell. But yeah, but you know what, to to, to your point though, Hank, you know, I, I that's why I'm kind of gentle, especially when I'm talking to people in person. Mm-hmm. You can't you can advise anybody of any I don't care what you're talking to them about. You can give them all the advice, you can do all you can have you can blend to their personality the right way, you can be the best you. People are at the end of the day are going to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you, you can't, Absolutely. you can't be the only thing you can do is make it as easy as possible and be a good representative of what you're trying to get them to do. Um, yeah. But yeah. if you're not, if you're not taking. And I just put up uh, for medical, for example. I just I, I did put up a video about I don't know two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe maybe a month mm-hmm. ago, where I was just uh, going out to um, actually going out to the property for training to learn, doing some. Uh, some final look-throughs and on the way back. Mm-hmm. Guess what? It was a big crash. It was eight people involved in it. And, you know, you see all these people on the side of the road. And I got out the truck, you know, from everything about how to stop the traffic, stop the flow of traffic, got out the vehicle. Luckily, everybody was okay. Most of them sitting down were just tired of waiting on the cops because it was in the rural middle of no damn where. Mm-hmm. But I got out fully prepared, like, all right, let's start staging people. If these people are hurt, move them. If you are prepared for stuff like that, you will you will find yourself more confident when you move around. Um, I would say this, and just from seeing it happen, if you own a gun, and 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 look, you can you cannot listen to me, and that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But remember, ten years of my life was spent putting people in places they didn't want to go. Okay, and trust me, there are a lot of good people that thought that self defense was common sense, and self defense is anything but common sense. If you are training, you're probably going to be learning more than just the application of a gun. You're going to, you're going to be learning more about the laws, more about patience, how to avoid situations, and the whole situational awareness and those type of things. So the more education you're getting through those resources of training, I, I just say this. The more you train, the less you'll shoot. The more you train, the less you'll shoot. One, the more you train, the less you shoot. You'll become so accurate with your rounds, you'll need less of them. You won't just be throwing meaningless rounds at the range. And two, if you ever get into a self-defense situation, right, all the times depressing the trigger is not the answer. But the more you train, the less you'll shoot because you'll realize in this situation, maybe I don't actually have to depress that trigger. And then two, the more you train, the less you'll shoot because if you do need to depress the trigger, you'll be accurate with your rounds. So you'll need less of them. So you should be out training because training is going to keep you confident in the situations and you will be less likely to make a mistake that will send you to prison because nothing is worse you want a humbling experience, look at somebody in the face 
when they realized that they were a good person, go to work every day, pay their taxes, whole nine yards. But because they thought self-defense was common sense and they didn't take it serious, look at them, understand, and it hits them when the light goes off, they're going away for 10 to 15 years. And be the one closing the door. Mm. You will realize mm. that you need to take this kind of stuff very serious really quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the Caribbean, um, there's a saying, uh, you can take the donkey to the well, but you can't make him drink. Just think about that. <laughs> that's, that's a common saying. In America, it's a horse. Yeah, it's, it's a horse. There's not a lot of horses in the Caribbean like that. There's a couple, but you know, mostly we got donkeys. So that's how that was well said. That was well said, Kevin. Yeah. Um, And I'm going to use that in my next class because, I mean, you can you couldn't be more right. Yeah. So what about the financial aspect of this? So, first of all, like when people get into things, you know, um, things like USCCA, for example, you know, I'm not trying to push that force that down anyone's throat. There's other things out there, uh, things that might uh, help defend you if you get into something like that, but also even the training aspect of it. Are there, cause I know people will buy guns. We've talked about this before. People will buy guns, but spending the money on training, not so much, you know, um, are there alternate ways of doing that? Or is it just straight up? You got to spend the money on it. Are there ways you could like put it on payment plans or, you know, <laughs> what's what's the what's the way around that issue because i think that's what the issue is for a lot of people well that's one of the reasons why i started wade um and we're we're in the process of uh getting our 501c3 finalized um because one of the things that i saw on a continuous basis was women that wanted to learn this stuff women that were desperate to learn this stuff but they couldn't afford it Mm. and truthfully and honestly, you know, my time is valuable. Mm -hmm. Kevin's time is valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the other trainers that, you know, that have spent years, you know, sharpening the skill, our time is valuable. We have mouths to feed and bills to pay. Okay. That's true. But I think that, you know, in my thought process, I was like some of the cockamamie crap that we fund with tax dollars or that people will raise money for like, why can't this be one of those things? And so that's why I started Wade is to, because the second amendment is for everyone, whether or not you have money or not. What's Wade again? And so, um, it's the women's awareness and defense endeavor. And so we, we train women, uh, low income women and single mothers, Mm -hmm. um, and we teach this, them this stuff and we put them through the full academy, not just if they so choose, right? I mean, you know, we'll t- I will take them from nothing into, you know, their advanced pistol efforts and I will keep them on a maintenance program. I have four ambassadors uh, that are going to be working with me once our 501c3 comes through. But I've already put women through this. Like, you know, my first my first time out, I wanted to kind of beta test it. So I did a GoFundMe, raised a couple thousand dollars and I put four women uh, through the program and the one of them has a really cool story that I'm just going to take about 30 seconds to tell you. Um, her husband, um, now she, so she's from Egypt and she was basically sold to a family and brought here and married off. Mm-hmm. And, um, this wasn't that long ago. I mean, she's like 41, I think. Okay. And, um, she was married, had three children. He divorced her. You know, she got remarried, had a fourth kid, found out that her husband was molesting one of her daughters from her previous marriage in their home. Christ. Okay. And so I'm in a mom's group because a lot of my clients are women, uh, moms. 
And um, she posted in this mom's group of 7,000 women, which took a lot of guts. And she said, my, I, I found out that my husband's molesting my daughter, my daughter from previous marriage. I called the police. I had him removed from the home. But remember, we have due process. And so eventually he's going to be able to bail himself out because they have to build a case against him. Mm -hmm. Right. They can't just mm -hmm. take it on her word, which is a good thing. Right. We have due process. Mm -hmm. So she said, I need to be able to defend my kids. She was like, so I went and bought this gun. She bought a little Bursa. It was what she could afford. And she said, I need somebody to teach me how to use it. And like 19 other moms that were my clients like tagged me in this. And um, so she had him removed on a Saturday. She bought a gun on a Sunday and I had her in the range on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, he did threaten her when he got out on bail. Of she course. felt confident. You know, I, I took her to the range like over that two weeks, two, three weeks that he was out on bail. She would send her kids to an undisclosed location. She wouldn't even tell me. She wouldn't tell anybody where they were going. And she would come with me to the range. And she was, and she ended up being a crack shot. And so a woman who was basically a slave, okay, like that was sold, right, mm -hmm. that came here from a foreign country, figured out, like, I got to do something about this, who had never questioned any of her husbands until her child was in danger, okay? And now, now she's a whole different person. Um, but she would never have been able to afford that if something wasn't available, if a resource wasn't available for her and who knows, she might be dead. Mm -hmm. Her kids might be without a mom because nobody, because nobody trained, nobody could train her. She couldn't afford to get that training. And so it is really important Absolutely. for people to, you know, and Kevin and I have this conversation all the time. If you're in the second amendment community and you believe in Liberty and you believe in freedom, you need to start putting your money where your mouth is. You need to start budgeting your money better and you need to start supporting these things like, you know, Kevin's nonprofit where he goes and, you know, teaches, you know, young men, right? I mean, you know, yep. you know how to, you know, he goes and reaches, you know, young men and teaches them how to be better men and teaches them the proper way to utilize the Second Amendment. And I do it for women and single moms, you know, like you need to, that's where you need to start putting your dollars, you know, take a break from Starbucks, make your coffee at home and start putting some money into these programs so that we can reach women and youth. And so we can start reaching out to the next generation and making sure that they understand what liberty is all about. Absolutely. Amen. Big Johnson Guns and Gear says Mama Bear and he did the 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 uh, the fist bump. The dab. The fist bump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you probably I don't know if you know him, but he looks like he's from Texas. So it's one of your people. Um, Shout out. Yeah. So I you know what? I think that the guns are sexier. I know, I, you know, I mean, we, we all go through that, right? The actual guns are sexier a lot of times more than the training. Okay. Now there's some people, so that leads to some people who do training to make the training sexy. <coughs> so where, where are you guys on this? Right. Go ahead. You know, it depends. So if we're, well, first of all, when you show up to my class, the sexiness is already there. I mean, I'm there. So <laughs> of course, I mean, right off the bat, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I, I do think I, I will, I will take, I will say this. I think on, well, it depends on the student, right. But mm -hmm. with the, with the growth of, uh, newer shooters, right? Whether it's women, men, uh, urbanites, suburbanites, whatever. With the growth of new shooters, one thing that we had to do is we, we had to make sure that shooting was something that the training outside of the basic range stuff, the training was something that looked like they could do it. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't all the time now, when I'm doing high level stuff, I'll put on my girl and I'll put my play carriers on blah, blah, blah. But if I'm just doing a, a pistol class for people that are out shooting for the first time, I'm not checked out. Mm hmm. Why? Because guess what they're going to look at when that when the imagery goes out there and they're thinking about signing up for a class, they're going to feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. They just are. They're going to be like, oh, man, I can't 
I don't fit that, right? And it becomes a little intimidating. Now, yeah, you can say, look, you need to get over that, but at the same time, you know, they'll probably never say anything because they feel intimidated. Uh, two, um, I, I think that the industry has done really, really good without making people feel like every time you come to an outdoor training class, especially, it's like going to a military boot camp. Like, you don't see videos of people getting yelled at. and That stuff has really kind of went away. Like, nobody's... I'll yell at you if you do something unsafe. You're damn right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's not so much yelling and, and, and militant anymore, so we had to soften it up. But at the same time, be able to let people know there is a certain point that you elevate to those style of courses, mm-hmm. and we can help take And just be more approachable. And I think, and the one thing that I've done... And every every trainer is different, uh, but I build rapport uh, with all my students. I build some rapport with them because if, if 10 people come through your class, they're going to tell eventually a thousand people through word of mouth about it. Right. But you want you don't want to feel like, oh, man, I went through this gun training course. They should be, man. I was with Jared down at, uh, uh, down at the range, man. And she, she she it was just great. You know, she walked us through it. She walked us through this. She walked us through that. I learned this. I learned that. I can't wait to go back. You want to make it more personable instead of a class because it sounds like school mm-hmm. and people don't want to go to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to make it more like an experience. So I would just say be more, more, more like a community as well. I think, you know, people it, want. Well, that. yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. And a part of that is making yourself available. You know, you, you have to be honest to a point, though, and go, you know, like, I can't do everything for you. Like some of the stuff you're gonna have to figure out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But making yourself available to answer questions, thanking people for referrals, you know, um, you, you really got to you really got to make it, you know, be a part of the community. And another thing, too, that, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, sometimes the guns are sexier than the training. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I wish that um, people would like, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love this train and learn event that um, that Kevin's putting on in May uh, that I went to last year, because that the, 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 the attendees were so diverse in every way. And it wasn't just diverse by gender, diverse by skin color. Like it was diverse by ability and like able-bodiedness. Okay. Which I thought was super cool. Like, so, you know, Hinchcliffe out of Washington state came and she's on a cane, you know, in the middle of the Midwest, you know, in May, in the middle of the Midwest humidity, um, out there like doing her thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's a huge advocate, you know, in Washington state for, you know, two a rights. Um, and, and she doesn't let these limitations keep her from doing what she can do to be an ambassador for her own safety. And that's really kind of what we, you know, the, the, the obstacles and the boundaries that we need to permeate is letting everybody know that you can do this. I've trained, I've trained people that don't have 10 fingers, mm-hmm. how to shoot a gun. I mean, you can do it. There's not a lot of things that are going to limit you. Um, from, you know, being, you know, being able to defend yourself, you know, Jason Coger out of Kentucky just came and did a film here. He's got no hands, right? He figured out how to use his prosthetics to make this thing work, you know? And so I, I wish that more people that had some limitations that were still committing to the training would get more social media traction Maybe instead of, you know, some of the, you know, some of the gun bunnies or whatever. I mean, I have nothing against gun bunnies. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, I wish some of these people would get a little bit more support because they, they do make the training sexy. They make it and they make it like, they make it attainable. Accessible, accessible. Yeah. So what can we do about that? We obviously can't do anything about people that get into it for the, for the, the fast side of it. Right. 
there's lots of fast side stuff happening. Uh, sure. Everyone, I think, across the board does that. Uh, I know content creators do that. The industry does that. You know, everyone's doing that. What can we what What can we do to make it uh, easier for people out there that are more on the slow side of it? Just, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but in terms of like, I want to take this in little bits and develop into this. That's gonna be. That's, I think that's done at the local level. I think they yeah. need to find someone locally to, to help out with that. And, you know, if, if the, the range closest to your house sucks, go to the one that's second closest to your house and just keep working out there until you find the area, that, the place that helps you. Because social media doesn't do slow. <clears throat> if you start putting out the kind of content that you have at the gun counters, that video is going to get of you and 85 thumbs down because nobody mm-hmm. wants, yeah. nobody's going to have time for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So, unfortunately, now... There might be some people that do it, but most of the time you can't. I think that that's going to be locally done. You got to find somewhere local or even, hey, it might not. You know what the thing is? Maybe it's not even a range. Maybe it, it, it could be the range where you go shoot. Maybe it's your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the, the person you work with mm-hmm. that can just help you walk through it. You know, so sometimes the resources are at the range. Sometimes it could just be we all got those people that always at the range. And they are willing to talk to anybody about anything. But sometimes there's some really good resources mm-hmm. and they will meet people at the range and spend time with them. So at a certain point, people have to be like, hey, let me figure out who's my best ally and my best resource or resources in this thing. But mm-hmm. for the, the gun industry, I guess, to uh, to put out slower content, um, I don't I don't. I don't know. I don't know that that's the answer either. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're ever going to achieve that. So how 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 can we give people a primer on how to figure that out? Because I agree with you. I think most people in the gun community do want to help. um, And most of the advice is good advice. Right. Infusing a mindset, really. I think it's infusing a mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, you know, this was one of the big things that happened at that community panel Mm -hmm. that Maj put on in, you know, in SHOT Show um, is we need, you know, it's about infusing a mindset into everybody that's involved in the 2A community from the guy at the gun counter to the instructor. And it's about, you know, hey, we want to help you. Like you have to want to help. And I understand that the general public can be a little bit annoying to deal with, you know, in the 2A industry. And so sometimes we have to be, you know, pleasantly honest with people and go, Hey man, look, I'd love to hear about your 19,000 guns that you have and stuff like that. But listen, like, I want you to know what's available to you and and why we're teaching it this way. And, you know, and work on that whole mindset situation of, you know, what do you need and how can I customize this for you? And like me, you be able to talk to me and me be able to help you. Right. So we have to infuse that throughout the, the second amendment community and get rid of the, you know, poo poo and gear and poo poo and people and, saying you're not good or, you know, I don't want to teach you because I don't think that it's going to be, you know, I'm going to get a good ROI out of that. Like anybody that we can win for 2A is a good ROI, mm-hmm. you know, like, so that, you know, that's the, the mindset that we have to have and then get people out of this and get people out of the victim mentality of, you know, why can't this be done for me? Or why can't I, you know, why can't I do this? Or why can't, you know, why isn't so-and-so want to be my friend? Like, you know, we can, we can support each other through 2A, but we don't have to support each other through anything else, Mm -hmm. you know, but we've got to be united under that because if we're, if we're united under one a and two a, everything else will come together. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we don't need to agree on everything either. So, so we're, we're probably, go ahead, Kevin, go ahead. I was just going to say to that point too, something that firearms training central is really good at doing. um, And I, I, it was somebody else. I think uh, even, uh, yeah, some, it was Mike Woodland that was doing it. Um, uh, getting out there and just letting people know who in their area 
that they can work with and trust, right? So mm-hmm. if your social media connects the world, so if you talk to somebody in Denver, you know, and you know that it's somebody in the Denver area that teaches, you know, like on point arms, you know, send them that way. Say, man, I, I see you got a lot of questions or I see you saying really, really wrong stuff. What area are you in? Oh, St. Louis. Let me send you to this person. Like, so use that to connect. And the instructors, um, not all of them do, but for the ones that do, that don't do those type of things, you need to you need to check your ego at the door, man. Um, if there is somebody that can help somebody locally, they always can't wait for you to travel uh, to where they're at. And I've mm-hmm. seen it before, mainly from up and coming instructors, not really the established people, uh, where they're they're trying to hoard, you know, every single person for every single thing. No, our job is to, I mean, yeah, you wanna you wanna eat and make a little money, but our job at the end of the day is to make sure people are protected, safe, and educated. So be a resource, be an ally and uh to Jerry's overall point, you know, stop the infight and BS about all the other stuff. Let's just let's teach America and get them get them the right way. Okay, well said. Uh, I want to hit a couple of things here. We've got like, I don't know, I think about half an hour here. So the first thing I want to hit Kevin Dixie, I'm going to throw this up on the screen. So um, you, you, were in the, you were in the newspaper. Oh, was I? Which one? This uh, National <laughs> Politics. National uh, Politics. Yeah, the okay. headline is Liberal Gun Owners Face Dilemma in 2020 Field. And then there's your picture, but they weren't just talking to you. They were talking to a bunch of different people across the country. But there's a picture of you there with your red hat on. That's how I noticed it when I was going through the news, by the way. Red hat. Oh, yeah. yep, there's me. I saw a red hat. I was like, oh, that's Kevin Dixie. <laughs> that is me. The caption of under this really interesting. They, they clarified because they were they were interested in viewing, uh, interviewing. It was with the APA. It was actually a really nice interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, let, I clarified, right? I didn't know what the title of the article was going to be. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I let them know, like, uh, and they, they mentioned it in my caption of my photo. I don't I don't have a, a political identity. Yeah. So they did mention that, even though I'm in that article. But no, it was um, it was good to talk to him, man. It was a good interview. I'm glad to see him reaching out there and doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to make that point. I don't think that the headline has anything to do with you. I think there's more people in there. I know you purposely don't get into like politics and all that kind of stuff. Um, right. I think. And so if you and one of the things about when people interview you, right, is you might do a lot of talking, but a lot of things don't come across. What is the important thing you wanted to come across when you were talking to these guys that probably, you know, got left out for however they wanted to structure their article? Yeah, and there was only so much information they put in there. You know, the, the thing I, I normally want people, because when, and I get a lot of requests for interviews like that, and that was a really good one. Um, we actually started that conversation at Shasha mm-hmm. uh, when AKA was there. And the, what I try to relate to them uh, in that conversation is, we have to stop assuming um, that guns are for one particular group of people, whether it be by skin tone, political alliance, or whatever. And we have to expand the the knowledge of why protection is for everyone in America, and really go through what that looks like. And so, um, getting them to realize that that I know, as part of the media, they even believe that gun owners all look one way, they vote one way, and that's just mm-hmm. not the case. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, and I think that if more people start realizing that and realizing the real reason why we're holding on to guns, like I told them, uh, no different than the picture. One one of the pictures that they took was me uh, standing in front of the truth. Like that is that's why I carry our, our freedoms are personal to all of us, mm-hmm. even though we can go down a gauntlet of why Hank and Babyface and Gerald all carry. There's going to be one thing about you that's really important to you. Right. Because freedom is personal at a point. 
Um, and so I, I just want to know that, man, like mm-hmm. um, we're not the, it's everybody doesn't look the same. And um, and it's not a stab at the organization. I'll take this the wrong way. But them always relying on what a gun owner is to float and be filtered through the NRA is 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 antiquated. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just an antiquated thought process. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to see them come to the, the source themselves and really get that conversation, um, because I've had certain people interview me and are like, oh, you a member of the NRA. Well, I'm an NRA certified instructor. So, yeah, I have to be. Oh, so the NRA, uh, don't try to get me to validate what they said. You want my opinion? You ask me what I, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 let's not do that. So just mm-hmm. letting me know that the voices also extend outside of that bubble, mm-hmm. um, good or bad in that scenario, mm-hmm. and uh, really get to understanding what an American gun owner is. Yeah. So I'm interested in us having this conversation because this is a weird kind of thing, right? There's like, because of the way everything is played out, we do kind of have to talk about politics, Right. But it shouldn't be because the Constitution, the Second Amendment, doesn't have really anything to do with politics, right? It says that people should have the right to defend themselves. That should not be infringed upon, regardless of who's running the country and all that kind of stuff. But it's weird now because of the world that we live in. It's ingrained, right, within within just the fiber of how we do everything now. So if you're like a Democrat— or you're a liberal, like this article is trying to say, then you must be against guns. You know, if you're a Republican, then you must be for guns. When that's when we all know that's not really the reality of how things are. It's just this unfortunate way that it is. Well, you know, one thing that one thing that really works, and I put up a couple of videos like where I went into, I, I call one of them like the Lions Den, where I went in and I talked to 30 people that were all local politicians that were anti-gun, right, mm-hmm. uh, and, and turned some heads that night. But the beauty and the reason I say I don't do politics, first of all, politics is full of shit. I almost cursed. It's full of it. Uh, I've cursed one. twice on the podcast. Yeah, it's fine. Was I not supposed to I'm do trying that. to do what the kids are in the next room, too. I'm trying oh, to do better. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. But the other thing is, you know, if I – it's harder to have the conversation, right? And I'm not saying that you – I didn't say I didn't vote. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do everything political. Mm-hmm. So if I walk into a room full of people that are, let's just say, Democrats, and I walk in there with a Make America Great Again on hat mm-hmm. – I can have all the best talking points in the world. You really think they're listening to me? Nope. No. Same way. If I walk into uh, a Republican uh, uh, place and it's got, you know, uh, Hillary for president, Mm -hmm. even though that would be horrible. I don't like that woman. Um, (laughs) That would be that would be, you know, a tough conversation to have. So I don't leave with anything political. I don't want to talk to you, Hank or Babyface or Karen next door about your politics. I want to talk to you about some of the corrupt policies that are keeping Americans from being free. That's why I say I'm a civil rights advocate. I talk about the rights, the civil rights of human beings. And the only reason that guns have turned into a civil right is because politics became involved. Politics would have just stayed out of it, and then we wouldn't have to have all the – it wouldn't be a civil right. It would be a human right. Yeah. Uh, but politics have made it a civil right. So that's why I say I don't do politics. I tell everybody to vote, do your thing. But you know what? You knowing – my political stance has nothing to do with you being free. As long as I am not impeding on your freedom, it has nothing to do with it. So that allows me to go into any, I can go to CPAC, I can go to, I can go anywhere because nobody aligns me with a political affiliation. So I can go in any room and have any conversation. And that's how you get the work done by being welcome into the rooms. Yeah. But how did this slip out of it? Like, so, uh, Patrick, I don't know if you have, if you have an idea here, like, you know, how do you think we slipped out of this thing that should just be the Constitution? What if we started going after other things in the Constitution? 
you know, how would people look like look at that? This is a thing that really should not have anything to do with politics. Unfortunately, it has to because we're there. How did how did this happen? Uh, it's hard to say. I think. Do you um, think? This, do you think? Do you think? Well, was we this always happening? We allowed feelings to take priority. We oh, allowed okay. feelings to that, – that's exactly how it happened, is mm-hmm. we allowed feelings to infiltrate rights, mm-hmm. okay? So when someone says – when someone says to me, I'm a gun owner, but it, to me yeah, it's like – Yeah, there's no but. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's the equivalent to somebody saying, I'm not racist because I have black friends. <laughs> exactly. There is no but there. Yeah. You know, like that's mm-hmm. – it's exactly the point. It, mm-hmm. or that's exactly how, how it happened. And so to me, when somebody says – when somebody says to me – why, why don't why don't you want to vote for Bernie Sanders? Well, first and foremost, because he wants to infringe on my Second Amendment rights. Am I a one am I a one issue voter mm-hmm. in the beginning? Yes. And so if you come to me, you could have 19 other really great ideas. But if you say I want to ban ARs or I want to have mag- magazine capacity limitations or whatever, I'm going to say, well, I'm not going to vote for you. I don't care how awesome you are, like because until until freedom, until you really want to work for the people, because to me, if you want to infringe on 2A, you're not working for the people. Exactly. And so if you if you say, oh, no, I'm super 2A, I'm going to listen to some of the other ideas that you have that I might not agree with. OK, but that's the platform where it starts with me is are you for 2A the way it was written? Do you want the checks and balances? Because that's what it's that's what it is. It's checks and balances. It makes sure that absolute power doesn't corrupt absolutely. And that's what it is for me. And so your feelings aren't greater than my rights. I mean, I don't know, Kevin, if you saw that hilarious uh, meme that Simon posted on Instagram and the top said had this guy holding a sign and it says, how many people have to die from gun violence before you will start to give up your guns. And then underneath it, it was like the Backstreet Boys going, everybody, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, that's what it is because I could get shot dead in the street tomorrow and I would never, I would go to my grave saying, I want zero infringements on the second amendment. It is is more important than how you feel. Yeah, It's, Yeah. it's it's just weird to me how this whole thing got like separated and people actually gotta, think it's okay to separate it somehow now. Like, is it technology? Is it that we believe no. more in the government now than we did in the founding of America? What the hell happened? We got away, a we got away from we the people. We don't even know what that means anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's we the people, not them the government. And I say that all the time. Two, um, tribalism is a big problem. People mm-hmm. want to feel like they, they, they want, first of all, people wake up looking for a reason to be angry. So they look and they also look for a reason uh, to align with other individuals. So think about it like this. In the 90s, what was the big, big gun control bill that passed on federal level? Uh, what? The, uh, the assault weapons ban? Yeah. The thing that uh, was it Clinton? The Clinton, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people now who gets what, what political alliance gets blamed for that? What political party? Democrats. For, for, for that for being in effect in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, right. Democrats. Yeah, Democrats. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Forty nine Republicans voted for that. Right. <laughs> in favor. of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I tell people and I and look and to prove my point, I listed about three weeks ago. I put every single one of their names on the Instagram post. You know how long that took to do. But I put every one of their names that voted for the 94 crime bill. Are any still there? Right on it. And they were all Republicans. Yes. Yeah. I think, right? Patrick, what was the and question? So, are any of them still in office? 
Uh, I, you know what? Probably. Who of them were floating around, not in their, their current seats, but many of them were still in politics in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Mm. And this that was to prove the point that everybody's goes back and they're like, 1994 crime bill, all those Democrats, all those Clintons. All right, true. Big facts. You're not wrong. But what about the 49 Republicans? And if you don't know, let me shorten it up. The crime bill, this is very elementary. Let me show you what they did. Hey, hey, people. Hey, Republican people over there. We we want to um, we want to do something about some guns, all right? So we want to ban AR. Cool? Not cool. You're giving, uh, you're locking up the black folks. That's cool. But what we got a problem with is the fact that you're giving too much, too many benefits of uh, that look like welfare to us. Well, no, we have to give benefits to the the women because we're finna lock up all the dudes, man. We got to give them something to be able to, you know, sustain them. Community programs, whole nine yards. Republicans, nah, I ain't with that. Tell you what, fam. You can lock their asses up. I don't care about them black folks, but you ain't touching our guns. Well, what can we do? Take away two-thirds of the money from the black people, and then we'll give you guns. But you got to take two-thirds of the funding away for programs that will keep those communities afloat, welfare, whatever you call it. We ain't giving you that money. Let us have that money. We'll give you the guns. Cool? Cool. 1994 crime bill. So when people come politics, to me talking about politics. political alliances and being a, a, a tribalism to a political party, I'm, I'm no, that's not okay. And then fast forward to current times, just dealing with guns. How many Republicans in the last two years have come out against guns? Um, it's crazy. In your state alone, it's crazy. Yeah, there's right? a lot. So yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, we we can't. Political tribalism is something that is hurting us a lot. Too. Mm-hmm. It just really. Yeah, it's just weird to me how we got to the stage that. You know, if you really think about this thing, okay, as Jared was saying, there really isn't a question. Second Amendment, yes. You know, that's it. Right? Shall not be infringed. Good. Why are we even talking about it after this? You know, how do we get there? Is it fear? You know, uh, which I think is, is, is a lot of what's going on. Is it money? Which I think also is a lot of what's going on, like you just said. Somehow we got to the point where everyone's willing to compromise. They use fear against the people, create issues that they don't actually even solve. None of the things that have been done have solved anything. You got people that are that are willing in this country that are thinking and contemplating about putting a little man from New York in office who had no problem telling people of a minority group, you don't even have a Fourth Amendment right to walk home and did it. And you know what his excuse was? Because all my friends were doing it. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at your freedom being at risk and people are thinking about putting them in office and guess why? Because he decided to become a Democrat. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, because I am aligned to the Democratic Party, I'm going to vote for him. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. So that political tribalism is what's getting so many, so many people in trouble. Well, I mean, really. to the point of what you're saying there, like I grew up in New York City. Every mayor of New York City, the mayors of New York City, regardless of what their political affiliation is, have been doing that nonsense. And people are OK with it if it's not them. Right. I think a lot of people are OK with. Yeah. You know what? When I see crime, it's those it's the whatever dudes, right? I mean, at this point, it could be the black dudes. It could be the, you know, the people who are, you know, Middle Eastern descent or whatever it is, depending on where you are. And people say, oh, that's okay. But if you, if you all of a sudden, let's say, you know, let's go into the, to, to this white neighborhood over here and start just searching everyone, then it, then it might, it might be a problem for those, for those people. We somehow get into our minds that it's okay if we do that to someone else. You know, just like with guns, there's lots of people like, hey, it's okay if you take everyone's guns away as long as I have guns. 
Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing. Like, either, you, you know, we can't say that we believe in the Constitution, and then you say it's okay for everyone who's walking down the street in this particular thing to get searched because there's crime or whatever there. <clears throat> I think I think a big thing that that really sort of changed my perspective on this, especially when I started teaching uh, like license to carry and stuff like that, was that we're we're afraid. I think the general populace is afraid to look at somebody that's not like them and admit that they don't know what it's like to be them. And and I've been very I've been guilty of that in the past. I've been guilty of going, OK, well, it can't be that difficult for you to get your life together. You know what I mean? Perspective, like, you know perspective. I mean? Yeah. And and per- my perspective was skewed. And mm-hmm. it wasn't And one of the bigger things that that turned me was, um, you know, this lady Daphne took one of my classes, my license to carry class. And she's a, she's a black lady. And she said, I just don't understand why more African-American people aren't taking this kind of training. She's like, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And, and she was like, it's just like we've been, you know, brainwashed mm-hmm. into in this thinking that this is a bad thing. And so she had me come and do a private license to carry class for her husband and her brother. And her brother owns a barber shop uh, over in uh, on the other side of Fort Worth. And he's an enormous black man. I mean, huge. <laughs> and we were going like. That's because someone over. is going to sample that. Quoted out for the day. <laughs> yeah, it was enormous. And he's look, like, Kevin Dixie is like just looking at the screen. <laughs> and um, and I'm talking about like uh-huh. encounters with law enforcement mm-hmm. having an LTC. And he said, you know, and he asked me point blank. He goes, "Have you?" Because I said, in in the state of Texas, a, a cop can disarm you during a traffic stop if they want to. Mm-hmm. And um, and Eddie was, and Eddie asked me. He's like, "Have you ever been disarmed during a traffic stop? Have you ever even been asked to get out of your car during a normal routine traffic stop?" And he wasn't being mean. He was like mm-hmm. asking me, and I said no. And he goes, "Every time I get pulled over, I get asked to get out of my vehicle and sit on the curb." He goes, and one of the big reasons why I'm taking this class is because I'm hoping that when I give that LTC to the police officer, he's going to understand finally that I'm not a threat. And I, man, it just blew me away. And I kicked back and I was like, you know what? I really, I'm really just now understanding the dynamic here of you are taking a license to carry class from a white woman who has no idea what it's like to be you. And it doesn't mean that all cops are bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that it, you know, I don't know what it's like to be you and I have no way to advise you on what to do in this particular situation. And it really changed my perspective on, and it really kind of, and it really made me think about, oh my gosh, you know, like this is what people go through that are not like me. And so the second amendment is important to me for an entirely different reason than it's important to Eddie Pinnell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it just really blew me. It just really blew me away. Yeah, I know. To, to to for what you said from the lady, I know that when Lola and I started doing this, she said to me, "You know what? I always growing up in Maryland, I always thought guns were just for the bad guys and the cops." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, know, I mean, you will have no idea how many young men in my area that I've gotten phone calls from, and all of them I know personally. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, man, they just took my gun. Like, for what? Nothing. Like, guns legally owned, where I've had to help write letters hmm. to get their guns back. Right. Yeah, and why crazy. are they taking them? 
have have no right to, did nothing wrong, guns aren't involved in any crimes. How, how did they get wrong. into the situation when the gun was taken? Like they were pulled over or something? Yeah, just pulled over, traffic stop, mm-hmm. and like, hey, you know, you got any guns in the car? People being honest, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, I do. And mm-hmm. they, they let them go, no ticket, no nothing, but take their guns. No, no. That can't be legal. What? It, it's, not, <laughs> it's not legal. In St. Louis City and St. Louis County, we're doing that a mm-hmm. lot. So, you know, after, um, and that's why I kept telling people, like even now, and it's, it's the constant argument, and yes, maybe, because where we come from in our life experiences do mold what we think, right? Mm-hmm. So I tell people all the time, like everybody praises, and I'm on a line about it, they praise constitutional carry, right? So in Missouri, we have both. You can get a permit you can, you can or you can carry constitutional. But I, it's not really, it's not, it's, it's good, but it's not always good. Mm-hmm. And so I tell people all the time, and I said this at a Black Guns Matter event last year uh, that was here, and I said it in Miami for the Truth event, I was like, hey, if you want to hide something from Black people, where do you put it? Everybody yells out a book, right? I said, cool. really? So can you I didn't even, that why? thought did not even come go into my mind. If you want to have something from black people, put it in a book. Oh, and, I guess I'm and, a nerd. And the laws are nothing but a collection, right? Mm-hmm. You think about it like a book, a collective. Mm-hmm. So if I am telling people, no, guess what? You don't need, you don't have to go through a class to carry a gun. Where the classes, forget the shooting portion, right? Mm-hmm. It's the education of you can or can't do this, you can or can't do that. This mm-hmm. is what self-defense is. Mm-hmm. Here are scenarios, you know, running them through that. Well, if you can't do that. When you go out and do something that you think is common sense with a gun, you have no education around. Then you catch a criminal charge. Now you lose your job. You lose your freedom. You're not going to be able to own a gun again. So putting uneducated people out there is causing more people to be disarmed and are actually using guns to ruin their lives. Mm -hmm. So depending on where you come from, I even tell people constitutional carry is not a good thing because you're lacking information and education. But you know that you're responsible for knowing it. So, sure, you can carry a gun as soon as you mess up. I'm going to ruin your entire freaking life, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, where you come from is going to determine how you do things, the way you do things. And a lot of people need to realize that. So when I tell people constitutional carry is not always a good thing, it's not. Because you put plenty of people, like for instance, at least 10, 12 people I know didn't realize it wasn't okay for the police just to take your gun. Had no idea. They're like, okay, cool, do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because of lack of information and education. So mm-hmm. um yeah, where you come from will define and determine uh, uh, how you're going to experience things. And that's why I keep telling people, man, the two-way community has got to do a lot better. Even when we pointed out with the, with the, with the incidents with the police, yeah, do some people kind of exaggerate some of the incidents? Yeah. But are there some serious ones? Absolutely. But all of a sudden, when, you, when Virginia happens, for example, every cop that didn't agree that they weren't going to go door to door and the cops that were kicking people out of meetings, oh, those tyrants, they're infringing on freedom. Oh, so the only time cops infringe on freedom is just dealing with your gun? So everything that this community has been yelling about for the last 20, 30 years is false. But all of a sudden, the cops are redcoats when they start talking about gun confiscation. But if they inflict on any other freedoms, well, it's not the cops, it's the politicians. The police enforce the laws to politicians' right. Yeah, who's the boss? So who who hires gonna, the cops? You have to see things outside of your own bubble mm-hmm. to realize that there are people being impacted in different ways. And that's another reason we can't get to we the people, because a lot of individuals won't take time to say, let me get away from what I thought I knew and even some of the prejudice that I had and really listen to my fellow American about what they might be witnessing. Because guess what? If you can rain tyranny on me when it comes to my guns, then what are you doing to the people that have nothing to do with guns. What tyranny are you raining upon them? Which we will say, when you take my guns, it's gonna be the same thing you do to me, but it's not happening. So we're not being open and honest about the experiences of other people. Everybody wants, oh, the black people always complain and the brown people always complain and the trailer park people always complaining. No, you're not listening. 
And if you would listen and really pull out the fruit, and they're going to have BS everywhere, but if you really pull out the fruit, you can see why is a young boy walking down the street of Chicago that is clearly high on drugs but not hurting anybody, why is he shot 17 times and it takes almost two years for that to come out? With no gun, no knife, no bat, no brick, no car. But he shot 17 times. And people want to say, oh, well, uh, you know, it, it, it look, man, when you realize that if we were Americans and we united as we the people and an injustice done anywhere is, an, is, a, is a danger to justice everywhere, you will realize that we actually could come together and fix this and keep these governmental systems in check. Right. But we can't do that as long as Hank says, oh, well, if it doesn't happen in my neighborhood, it didn't happen. Or if I saw it on the on social media, oh, they're just exaggerating. It can never happen. But as soon as somebody says something about come taking your guns, then it's all like we need everybody to vote these politicians out of office. Nah, fam, because when I was telling you that they've been doing this BS to me with other things that have nothing to do with guns, you ain't have my back. Now, all of a sudden you want me to have your back. Now I'm good. And then you wonder why people won't come together. Mm -hmm. I think perspective no. well, is a big we, part yes, of that. And and that education, we like we have to be willing to go into these, you know, these neighborhoods that are underserved and and give that education and change that mindset. You know, it was really interesting. That was another thing that happened in the, you know, in that LTC class with Eddie and Marcus is, you know, Eddie was like, you know, we we pay attention to politics. He was like, but no politicians want to come into our neighborhood unless it's election time. You know, and then and then when they're elected, like we never see them again, like they never come to any of our community events. They never come to, you know, and like see, you know, what we're having to deal with in this neighborhood or how to help us make this neighborhood better. And so that was one of the questions. If we have do we have just a couple minutes? Sure. Absolutely. I don't know. Okay. If Patrick, Patrick, you good? If you have to if you got to go, it's, it's OK. I may I may jump in. Yeah. Uh, dinner, okay. dinner showed up. Um, so I may jump. Yeah. OK. Mm -hmm. but, that's okay no, but, but I wanted to ask because mm -hmm. this was one of the questions that I didn't really get answered at the, the panel at mm -hmm. SHOT Show because we ran out of time. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to ask, because the panel was so diverse, is how can we, you know, how can we be better about or, or what can we do to support minority communities um, without, try, without looking like we want to save them? Does that make sense? Because when, you, when your perspective changes – you know, like me, the Second Amendment is important to me because I'm a woman in a target, okay? Mm -hmm. But I'm also white, so I don't deal – I don't have to deal with some of the things that other minority groups have to deal with, okay? Um, and that's sad. But, like, how do, how do I show that I'm an ally without arrogance or without, without c coming in and going, oh, I just want to save you. I just want to help you and support you and save you because I did get into a little bit of a kerfuffle with a guy – on one of Maja's posts because I was like, I'm coming to black guns matter, you know, in St. Louis. And this guy was like all busting Maja's chops about like having it in the wrong part of St. Louis, you know? <laughs> and yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, and I'm like, man, that's stupid. Like you can't drive across town in your own community to come support this dude that's traveling from Philly. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm coming in from, you know, I'm coming in from Texas. And then he's all like, bitch, you don't even live here. You don't even know. And I'm like, how is this helping? You know? So how do we do that? How do how do people who are considered different, like me, prove that we're allies so without I, being without being ridiculous? Yeah. You know? So I think that um, I don't know. I'm going to answer this before. I, I'm sure Kevin has a thing for this. I'm going to say that people need to meet at a at a certain point, right? Because we all have our our perspective. You have yours. I have mine. You know, we're human beings. Ultimately, you know, I, I, I've, I was born a man. You were born a woman. You were born white. I was born black. I mean, you know, but that but we're all living in the world. 
So it's not enough if you are, you know, I think you're already trying to do that and you're already trying to come across. But just like I said before, if you're trying, if you're trying to take someone to the well and make them drink, you know, they need to decide that they're thirsty or that they need to drink. Okay, this is you can't drag anyone to anywhere. So to me, ultimately, I mean, it's, it's the whole thing about sometimes people like they, they say the, the worst person for you to try to save is someone that's drowning. Right. Because they go into panic mode and you swim out there and now you both drown. So I think that we all of us need to understand the other person's perspective and how they and how they see life, because if we can't do that, then we can't come to an understanding. Yeah, it would be to me, it would be great if Maj could do that in the hood. I'm sure he probably try to do it. But if you can't, you have to put this event on wherever you could put it on. And people need to figure out a way to get out there. And if those people, instead of trying to figure out how to get out there, want to come up with things like, oh, well, you got to come, you got to come over here to me, you got to make it so that I can understand it or do this or that then you, it's like dragging someone to the well and trying to make them drink when they don't really want to. So I don't know. Go, I don't know. I'm sure you want to answer this, Kevin. Yeah. I, to, 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 to Jared's point, which is a point that happens all over the country. So one, I'm, I'm the guy that's hosting that event of her. Right. So when it, when it, when that individual um, came at Maj for that, it was, it was the, you know, the whole, why are you basically holding it in the suburbs and not in the city? Mm-hmm. Well, because people weren't educated, uh, they will realize that the reason why it can't be held in the city is because there's going to be shooting and St. Louis city has banned gun ranges. Oh, wow. So there cannot be a location in the city for you to shoot because there are no gun stores in St. Louis city. Okay. But, um, so for him and I, and I, I kind of watched that exchange a little bit, um, for him to be a Jack and Jerry, but as soon as I responded to it, I didn't get a response. <laughs> See, I'm going to put everything out there like, no, you, you, first of all, you're wrong. She's right. Let's get that correct. I don't give a damn where she's from. She's right and you're wrong. So eat that. Two, um, when you are, you are thinking about educating people and helping individuals, this is where you have to, we all have to realize we're all having a very civil conversation. Most of the people in the chat are very civil, mm-hmm. right? But there are extremists on every end, right? There is these extremists that always want to complain and they always want the worst for everybody. Um, I think that when you are looking at trying to be solution-based, Jared, to your point, then you just have to find the people that are willing to listen to you that can help stream your voice into those areas, like myself, like Amaj, right? Because individuals that are hell-bent on just complaining, that same individual is going to sit at home and still be complaining. That same individual, when I looked at that name, I've never seen any efforts by them done in this particular area to do anything. Matter of fact, all they did was buy Instagram followers and bitch about how the white man is horrible on Instagram. That's all he does, Mm. right? There's no work. There is no unity. There is no, hey, let me try to find an ad. Like like individuals like that are extremists and all they want is depth, destruction, and, and the bitch and complain. But as soon as I pointed out like, hey, well, this range that is in the west suburbs of St. Louis mm-hmm. is the same range that brought me in and said, hey, can you please help diversify this place? We're here. We're open to help everybody. Mm-hmm. What can we do to diversify? That particular place went from having maybe a percent of minority people coming in, maybe 3% if you include all minorities, 3 to 5%, I'll be fair, to now you go in and you don't even notice minorities. 
Because now you can go in there a lot of times and the white people are the minority because everybody's comfortable coming there now. Everybody enjoys it. They're starting to realize like, oh, this is a place I can go learn about guns. This is a place I can do that. So we have to we have to be willing to cast aside the people that are idiots, Jared, and just focus on the individuals that are actually trying to do good work. I'm not listening to the, the dude that's sitting in, the, in his uh, b- basement arguing and complaining about how all black people do is complain. And you know what? Obama sucks. And America, <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not listening to you, dude. I will take time to listen out to the individual that says, hey, man, I just want to ha- ask questions and have a conversation about how we can get up, how we can all truly come to a way that we can align with each other. And if that includes me coming to events, if that includes me maybe donating a little money or just having a civil conversation about how we can all unite, I'm going to go after that. I'm not listening. I don't even listen to extremists on the end that are saying things that some of the stuff I think they're correct. But if they're extreme about it, I ignore them because you know what? Just because we are saying these things need to be changed doesn't mean we hate people. Prime example, we're all pro-gun, right? Doesn't mean you hate everybody who's not. No, no absolutely no. not. You can't. Yeah. It's not right. My, it's so, not. I don't think it's my business to try to like uh, to tell another person what to do to defend themselves. Kevin, try to try to center a little bit. I'm trying to put us all on the screen. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so we can see you. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Because that's ultimately the goal for mm-hmm. me is like, that's why I started doing this stuff. Like, that's why I wanted to come to the train learn. That's mm-hmm. why I wanted to come to Black Guns Matters because I want to show, you know, like I want to show people like we got to show up too. Mm-hmm. you know, like if we believe in this equality thing, you know, we got to show up too. But then it's not cool to be dismissed and for, and for so, people to go, you don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I think right. that like, I think here? that just like in everything in life, you're not going to be able to save everyone. I don't care. I don't care who it is, what the color, where they came from, what political party or whatever it is. You're not going to be able to save everyone. People have to first realize that they need help. That's what people need to realize. And then, hey, if you've got to like get out somewhere and travel or whatever in order to get this help, you've got to go a little bit out of your comfort zone. Then you have to be willing to do that in order to get helped. On the flip side of what Kevin is saying, sometimes people like me and Kevin and Maj that look like us to try to help people, you know, the people that we're trying to help are our worst enemy. You know, they feel we're somehow selling them out and there's all kinds of names that get thrown in behind that. And the reality of it is these are just all excuses for you to not elevate yourself. This is something this is something that I don't understand as I was I was born in a third world country. A lot of times it's really tough for me. I think I've had some of these conversations with Kevin. It's tough for me to to grasp. How, like, I know there's suffering that happened in America, So, for example, for black people. I know that, right? Mm-hmm. I was born in the Caribbean. My ancestors were slaves, okay? So I get that. But when, when I look back at it, I've lived in Africa. I've I, I lived in the Caribbean. I've lived in other places around the world. When I look back at it, uh, people in America, including black people, have an awesome opportunity. The rest of us, black people from around the world, we're trying to do all kinds of things to get into America to get that opportunity. And what is it that happens? It doesn't mean there's no one here in America taking advantage of that opportunity. Often when people are trying to do something, there's other people trying to pull them down at the same time that they're trying to do it. And not just the people on whatever the other side is, people who look just like them. And this is just a reality of it. So all, all, to me, ultimately, you have to want to save yourself or to better yourself. And then when people are yeah, trying to do that, right. you've got to like accept it 
even if it, you know, it means you've got to be a little bit humble or whatever. People can't always like come to you. And I've seen that. I've seen that with Maj. I've seen uh, there was a thing I did in Atlanta and there was a guy there that was like, you know, Maj is dropping the same knowledge that Kevin's dropping here. And he looks at him, he goes, you need to do better about let, about putting this information out there. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what do you have? You know, so this is this is a thing that we all that I think we all go through. This is a thing yeah. that we all and go through. And people do. They want to be affirmed rather than changed. Mm-hmm. They want to be, you know, they want somebody to wallow with them in their misery rather than change. They want to connect over their issue and just sit there with it rather than, you know, change it. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. And we all all of us, the, the like minded people, it doesn't mean we get we, we agree about everything or right? just like minded as far as being willing to talk and, and, and get to know and see other perspectives. We have to have a, a hyper focus on each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even through the difficult times, because individuals like the one Jerry encountered online and the one that uh, all of us run run into one way or another. Uh, that's all they're going to do. Most of those people, all they do is use their phone to tell people that they're mad, Mm -hmm. but there's no, there's never really any action to solve it. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking to work with individuals that are action based. You can say something, but what are you doing to change it? If you're Mm -hmm. not doing anything to change it, you lost my attention. If you're doing something to change it, like Jared saying, yes, I agree with gun rights for every single American. And she's showing up to events where half the audience doesn't look like her. Okay. She's about that action, Mm -hmm. right? She's showing up. She's there. Mm -hmm. So you take what she says serious. If you're showing up to rallies. Okay. She got out of her comfort zone to do that. So you might as well get out of your comfort zone to meet in somewhere in the middle. Right. Right. Yep. And any individual that is not willing to see that, that doesn't have the, 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 the sight to say, wow, look at this person that is somewhere that they could be verbally accosted, right? Or could be yelled at or made fun of or whatever, but still took the chance because they believe in something so hard that they stood here firm. Like when I tell people that all the time, cause I've had to defend plenty of people that were in rooms that the room didn't think they were there. I'm like, yeah, what do you think civil rights was like? Mm-hmm. Think that was easy? Mm-mm. So you need fighters that are willing to go into those areas. I have to tell, I have to tell people all the time, when, especially when it comes to the white and black thing, I'm like, so is Frederick Douglass one of the, the, the greatest people ever on earth? Absolutely. So is he not anymore because his second wife was white? So does that dismiss him? Like, so close-minded people like that, you can never get through to. John Brown did died trying to free people. He literally got hung trying to free black people, right? It was the black people telling him to calm down. Whoa, John, hold on, man. We, we John, damn. Now, John, John was about that action. John was trying to get stuff done. So we have to realize that everything that we're trying to fix in this country, we can address different color lines and differences and cultures and things like that, because we're all going to be different. But to me, that's what makes us beautiful is our differences. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that we all know. Can you imagine? I said this the other day. How boring would the world be if we all look, talk, act at the exact same? I don't want to live in that world. Right. It will be boring, but we have to, when it comes to us being free and us being prosperous in this country, we have to be able to sit down and have a conversation about our differences. We're not going to get along about everything, but if we can agree that you have a right to own your home, live where you want to live, have a good wage, be treated fairly, carry your gun, protect your life, live and be free in pursuit of happiness, then as we can, we can agree at the table about that. Everything else to me is just minor. I don't, I don't care what kind of car you drive at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but to those extremists, Jared, we, you just have to be willing to um, overlook them. And you know what? Energy is finite, and don't waste it on them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you you spend that energy and those good efforts that you that you are trying to do. And I see the work that you try to do. You do that work with individuals that are willing to invest back into it with you, or at least at, at worst, are willing to have a, a conversation at least to some type of fruit or some type of education. Uh, because I've had to myself tune those individuals out. Yeah, I, I will I will do something. I will put up a, a video of the truth and people go crazy. And then I'll put up a video of me standing in the middle of the country with a bunch of white dudes teaching them how to shoot. Why are you arming the white people? <laughs> like, arming the enemy, man. You can't be arming the white folks. Right, like, what are you talking about? Like, if you, if you can't see the beauty in a black dude standing in the middle of the country with 10 white boys teaching them how to shoot, then I, I can't I can't help you see the beauty of America in that way. No. I can't. No, we need to embrace each other. I think that I think that one of one of the things I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna obviously wrap this up, but I think that life in a lot of ways is like that uh, safety briefing you get on the plane. First you have to save yourself. Then you save your children. Okay? And those and those other people most directly around you, right? And then you try to help other people, but you can't save everyone. So that's the thing that we all need to realize there. So, And this was so good. I yeah. really appreciate you having me on, and I hope oh. that you'll uh, come to Texas and visit the range. You can ask Kevin. It's a pretty cool place. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do want to do that. Hopefully this will be the you know beginning of a, of a great friendship, and uh, I'll, I'll get to do that somewhere on my travels around the country. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think you had some great points. I think folks out here appreciate you. I've been getting lots of good positive messages about you, believe it or not. Thank you. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you on again. Of course, Kevin Dixie never has a bad day, even though he took a long time to get on here because who knows what will happen. Shame. For shame, Kevin Dixie, for shame. Hey, no. <laughs> I think it just crashed though. Google won't even come up on it, so I think it's done. Yeah. I think it's done. It happens. It happens. You made it happen. It was great. I appreciate everyone here. Let me quickly do this before we get out of here. Jera, if people want to follow you or keep up with you after this, how can they do that? Uh, on Instagram, I'm at Clearing the Chamber. Um, I also have at Clearing the Chamber on Facebook, um, and I do have a public page, uh, Jarrah Hutchins, J-E-R-A-H. Awesome, awesome. Kevin Dixie, how can people keep up with you? First of all, make sure you follow Jarrah. She is secretly one of my favorite people in this thing. She's just an awesome person. Keep up with Jarrah. She is, she ro- she's a rock star in every way to work. Um, you can follow me uh, at The Real NLC on all your social media platforms. You can also type in Kevin Dixie. Um, you can, if you're going to be in the Kansas City area, I will be down there for USCCA March 20th and the 21st. I'll be speaking on the 21st. Um, uh, the underlying reason why we carry, so you should come check that out. So I'll, I'll have the stage for an hour there, um, and then I'll be right back here Sunday uh, for Black Guns Matter. It's going to be Sundays, um, Sunday March 22nd for Black Guns Matter. I'll also be in Virginia. The Ashburn, Virginia area for uh, Gunathon coming up in April. I'll also be at the NRA show in April and then train and learn in May. So any of those events interest you and you want to see me come through. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be at Gunathon as well. Um, I'm going to hit the button here to end it. I want to thank Walther uh, for sponsoring the show. Anyone that wants to find out more about me, go to HankStrange.com. Um, and then go to Ballistic Inc. That's where we've got our uh, T-shirts and other merchandise nowadays. So go look for the Hank Strange store. Every- oh, I got the grenade one with the... What? I, I bought a shirt from there. I didn't know that you were affiliated with Ballistic yeah, Inc. Yeah, I just, I just opened a store in Ballistic Inc. So, yeah. If you go okay. on there and you see the Gun Nerd shirt, that's something that we designed. 
We've got some other stuff on there that you could check out. Just look for Hank Strange. You can't really miss me on there. <laughs> Uh, but we, awesome. we just went on there. Let me, let me drop the end. Just everyone stand by right there. Boom. Okay, make sure you guys subscribe, thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. Just in case, if you're looking for episode 517, you can find that on Gunstreamer. YouTube pulled it down like three hours after we did the show because they claimed we were handling guns, which we didn't handle any guns. We're trying to fight that. There's no way around it. I do have the video, so I put it up on Gunstreamer for anyone who's looking for it. I really want to thank everyone for coming in. Jera, I know you look like wiped out, so get some rest. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's I appreciate long day. you. Yeah, uh, same with you, Kevin. I appreciate you. Thanks to Babyface P for coming on here. Hopefully, he's getting some good food in the stomach. Um, any final words before I hit this button? No, just be peaceful. Y'all have a good one. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. We're out of here. Peace. See you guys later.